Justin and Jai are a couple of guys who know they're gonna die, so they're biding time by consuming content and wasting their breath. It's a podcast called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Good morning and welcome to Amusing Ourselves to Death. It's a podcast about media and mortality. My name is Jai Peck. I'm a citizen of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Joining me as always, he's what the French call less très competent. It's Justin Passano. Oui, oui. Hey. Moi, moi. Moi, moi. That's not French, but welcome, Justin. It's very, How very. Uh, very, very. I, I'm, I'm great. I have a, um, as I mentioned just before we start recording, I have a, a lovely cheese pizza here. Uh, only I'm eating it. Just for you. Yep. I got a tall glass of milk here set up next to the mixer, and uh, I can't anticipate anything going wrong. Is it in a wine glass, the milk? Yeah. It's in a wine glass. Um, the guy who showed up and delivered it, uh, you know, I have that like prop, I have a couple prop guns from sketches we've done. It's for sketches, right? For sketches. Yeah. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. I spray paint it black and I stuck it in his mouth and I was like, get out of here, motherfucker. And then he like pissed in his pants and, uh, fell back down the stairs and it was really funny. So, uh, I thought that was really good. I'm glad that, uh, everyone will be thrilled to hear that you'll be eating on mic the entire episode, which is <laughs> yeah. very, uh, it's, it's only going to enhance our conversation, which is... The movie Home Alone, 1990, and we're joined by returning guest, you heard him last summer on the Stand By Me episode, Corey Collins. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me back. I heard that there was like quite a letter writing campaign to have me come back on and do another episode, so appreciate all the fans out there. We had to open up a P.O. box just to handle all the incoming mail, so... I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the reason why USPS is having such a problem right now, is because we're still getting letters and they're really clogging up the system. Well, you know, when it when it happens, it happens, and I heard that was one of the best podcast episodes in history of all mm-hmm. podcasts. So mm-hmm. I take the we were going to retire day. after that, but Justin said that we had to keep going. Got to yeah. get to a hundred at least. Yeah, I got to pay off these bills because got to make that money. You know, <laughs> that sweet sweet podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about yeah. Home Alone. <laughs> we're talking about Home Alone today. Yeah, very excited. Uh, Christmas it, movie for December. Mm-hmm. We're this legally is legally obligated to do Christmas films this month. This is so we're keeping on that theme. Mm-hmm. This is the final episode, um, like normal episode this month. Uh, next week will be our top twenty of twenty twenty episode. That's uh, that's, like, that's just going to be Jaya and I uh, getting drunk and listing um, our favorite things about this year, specifically films. I, I my list veers off of films and television a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been a weird year, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, this is our uh, this is our uh, Christmas holiday episode uh yeah so i'm excited I, I was thinking about this yesterday and i really love national lampoon's christmas christmas vacation but i think i would have to say home alone is my favorite christmas movie because it was like really my first christmas movie um so and it's really kind of stood the test of time and i do watch it every year uh so yeah i don't know it's uh it's it's a decision i didn't come in, come to until like yesterday so it's a big deal for me and Corey, you, you're the one that you 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 pitched this to us. You also have a very special relationship with this movie. I'm assuming that yeah, you wanted to come on and talk about. Yeah, this is like absolutely my favorite Christmas movie, um, and it's like a family um, tradition movie. Like we watched it constantly growing up, just like over and over again, rewinding certain parts that made us laugh. And just like every year, it's like how many times have you watched Home Alone this year mm-hmm. already before Christmas? Um, I don't, I don't always remember like when I saw certain movies like first in my life, but I specifically know that I saw Home Alone in theaters because uh, over Christmas break, because I know when we got back in school 
over Christmas break, I'd write that paper about like, what did you do over your Christmas break? And I just wrote about Home Alone and like my favorite parts of the movie. So like that one's like etched in my brain. Like I know exactly when and how I saw this movie. Yeah, I, I, this is same, same for me. I don't think I saw these in theaters, but they were either they were on all the time. This and the second one. I think I've seen the second one more uh, than this than this first one. But they were definitely just. I remember having those VHS tapes uh, underneath the big giant television that, if it were to fall over, would kill me. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think I, the only like personal connection I had to this was like growing up in Roxboro, Pennsylvania. Like I remember going to a video store. And they had a big standee of Macaulay Culkin and just one of those just like because I was probably six years old. They're just like, you look just like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> so like, that was like one of those things that just like, you know, people apparently associated with me just for a very brief period in time until I just grew another couple feet and, you know, facial hair and just got less cute as what happens with age. So you so. you grew a beard a couple of years later is what you're saying? Yeah, I was like I can't be I, you know like, every day people were mistaking me for Macaulay Culkin. So. Yeah, little Mac. Oh, know. so you, you just willed it into in existence? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even like a puberty thing. It was just like I gotta get. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, gotta this shit. Yeah, they keep wanting me to take Polaroid selfies with them. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's enough already. <laughs> um, that sounds tough. But, yeah, uh, it was a real tough uh, <laughs> one week period in my life. Yeah. probably. <laughs> um, I definitely saw this in theaters. I don't remember the theater experience as much. I remember, you know, I remember the movie, obviously, but um, I have it on VHS. I have the VHS copy my mom got me for Christmas that year. And I uh, I remember, I think I've told this story before, maybe on the podcast, I screamed and cried and complained so much that I wanted the movie before Christmas so I could watch it. And then she finally got so mad at me and it was like, fine, fine, you're going to have one less present to open on Christmas. Here you go. And I opened it up, and it was the VHS copy of Home Alone. Because I knew, it was like, there's no way she's not going to give it to me. Um, yeah, and I was seven at the time. So, uh, yeah. And so then, therefore, my brother and I, like, after that, watched it a bunch of times. And I still have that copy. So, um, definitely near and dear to my heart. And it probably mm. is responsible largely for my fear of spiders today. And also my fear of home invasions. So, yeah, you know, some of the things that have stuck. I, I'm oh, sorry. Um, decades. I also hate spiders with a fiery passion. And I always grew up like worried about somebody breaking into the house. And I never really thought about, is it because of Home Alone? But it probably is, at least in part. Huh. This definitely left an impression of just like having like this kind of a kind of a creepy, creepy basement. And like, you know, like we didn't actually have a furnace. We just had like, a lot of things that kind of just made noises and there was only like a few light switches that you had to kind of like go through some darkness just to kind of navigate to get to and just having like those just uh scary infrastructure in a house that's what kind of stuck with me yeah i mean um, what basement isn't scary at that yeah that those ages in the single digit ages yeah. of, of childhood i always used to for some reason as a kid i assumed that it was a like a freddy krueger reference like I always assumed like he was scared because he thought Freddy Krueger was in the furnace because I think I was also watching Nightmare on Elm Street at when I was six or seven, which probably mm-hmm. also explains a lot of things. Um, Did your mom also throw that throw that to you on Halloween? Just like here, one less yeah. Halloween uh, candy you're going to get. Yeah, I, I, I knew that she was getting me the glove with knives on it mm. and I screamed right. and I cried until she finally <laughs> gave it to me and I wore it all uh, up and through Christmas. Yeah, I opened all my gifts that year with my knife hands. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, let's get into it. Um, Home Alone. It's a, I mean, it's a movie that has, uh, I don't know, 
but Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel yeah. Stern, John Hurt, Catherine O'Hara, written by the great John Hughes, mm-hmm. directed by pretty great Chris Columbus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, those last those those first Harry Potter movies were uh, pretty rough. Right. Um, this is our second uh, Daniel Stern appearance on the podcast. Uh, go back and listen to our episode of Diner uh, for more Stern talk. Um, I remember uh, I didn't realize that Daniel Stern had more of a career than this until like way later. But he was like in Cutters. He was in Diner. He was like the narrator in uh, The Wonder Years, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Sounds right. Bushwhacked. Yeah. Classic. I really enjoyed. He had this recent uh, arc on this this show called Manhattan that aired in like the 2010s about like the Manhattan Project mm. building like the nuclear bomb out in the desert. And he played like just one of these kind of goofy scientists that had like this incredible beard period piece. So yeah, he's, he still, also, he's, still, he's still working. I think he also plays A.D. Bryant's dad on Trill, right? On oh, OK. Ah. Haven't seen oh, that that's yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and Joe Pesci, uh, just one of those at this time, he was just like in all these great crime, dra- like Goodfellas, Casino, My Cousin Vinny. And, you know, you're just. Maybe he had a he had a kid's college to pay for, so he did, he did this fun, fun little kids movie. Yeah, but his probably is arguably one of his more iconic roles of all time. Oh, for sure. I mean, kid, mm-hmm. like this, like multiple generations saw this movie, whereas like at the time, you know, you're not going to see Goodfellas until you're older, probably, mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know, um, really uh, introduced Joe Pesci into the family home. Yeah, we, <laughs> we every family home needs more Pesci. A little more Pesci, you know, a little Pesci. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I remember there was like an internet thing going around when like people were like th- their minds were being blown the fact that they didn't recognize that Joe Pesci played he just was in disguise in the beginning of the film as the cop. Mm. Was that something you guys were just like didn't put together till t- towards like more recent viewing or is that just like some people on Twitter who just have aren't paying attention while they watch movies and they just I think it's I think it. it's the latter. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think it's probably like people who saw it as a kid and were like maybe didn't watch it again for like 15 years and they're like oh my god he was the cop the whole time and you know as a kid maybe you don't really yeah. think about it that much because you it's obvious yeah they, they, <laughs> like, they especially add with that, like the like, gold tooth and everything yeah. like right right also it's like so suspicious uh, he's like don't worry everything's gonna be just fine and like you're in good hands yeah <laughs> but as a kid though i didn't think it was abnormal for just a cop to just walk into a house uninvited and be like hey Everything okay? Right. <laughs> like, just check and yeah. make sure you, you lock in your door at night. And, uh, yeah. You got yeah, your alarm system. Or, mm-hmm. I think at the time I was probably more infuriated at the family. Um, which, uh, let's talk, let's, uh, if we're talking about Pesci hanging out in the uh, lobby of this uh, Coliseum wow. house, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the McAllisters and the extended family and how every year I just get more and more angry at Uncle Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have this as one of my notes. Um, I don't understand how he doesn't get punched in the face like immediately. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I don't know if, we, if we're going like through the movie, like if we have a certain order, we want to do something. But since you brought him up, just like my blood boils with Uncle Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, if my if any uncle of mine, like, I don't think it matters what I did. Like, if I did anything in my own home, if any of my uncles called me a little jerk, like somebody is like tearing a new one into that person like yeah. mm-hmm. you don't like call your nephew a little jerk like that <laughs> in his own home like how does the father not just sock him right in the nose like that's that always and especially like me. we 
before we even see Frank, we get we kind of get this kind of like uh, introduction where like he's he's watching him he's watching like a not an R-rated movie, but he's watching a cool movie with the other cousins, but Kevin's not allowed. Yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. why Kevin goes to complain to his mother. So we like we get the impression, oh maybe Frank is kind of a cool uncle, in a way. But then he just is a famously a cheapskate. He doesn't have money for the pizza on the plane. He's like, oh, it's a free champagne. He's he's like stealing silverware from first class. <laughs> I was, I, I was, was watching some deleted scenes for this, um, and there's a, a really weird scene. There's like an extended scene where Buzz like torments Kevin in his bedroom, and then Kevin he like chases Kevin out of the room, and then he runs right into Frank, and uh, Frank calls him Squirt, and he's like, "My name's Kevin," and then Frank like kneels down in front of him, and he goes, "You know what they're gonna call you in France?" And he's like, "What?" And then he pulls his pants down, and he goes, "Yank," and then he runs off, and it's like, "What the hell was that?" Wow. <laughs> Gee, why'd they cut that? So he's like, he's a real piece of crap. Like he's not like a cool guy at all. Like yeah. that just cements it. Like he's a creep. Even in the sequel, I think there's a line where he he's Kevin tells a story like, if Uncle Frank caught me seeing him naked in the bathroom, that I would never grow up knowing what it's like to be a real man, implying some kind of like castration scenario. <laughs> so oh, he was supposed to be played by Kelsey Grammer, but who couldn't do the movies? But, yes. Uh, you know, he looks. Oh, he's yeah. definitely a Kelsey Grammer type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know if it would have been better or worse if it was Kelsey Grammer. Like it, obvi- like you can definitely see that that it was made for Kelsey Grammer, but I don't know if it would have been as impactful or like as good. I guess I don't know. Like because he's a known guy. Like obviously, like this guy who plays Frank. Like I don't know. I've probably seen him in other things, but I don't know him. Um, like he's always just Frank to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, like he, the kids, like and the cousins, like the siblings and the cousins. That's a little bit forgivable because who isn't like kind of like, you know, rude to their um to their siblings or like, you know, relatives, you know, like they're kids. Mm-hmm. Uncle Frank knows yeah. better. He's older. Um, yeah, it, it, there's really no excuse for it. But I also like, yes, he does spill milk on the passports and stuff. But there really wasn't that. I feel like that was too big of a uh, reaction. Like I posted that video um, that Macaulay Culkin made. It was like a little sketch uh, you can find on YouTube called Just in the House by Myself, and it uh, kind of follows a older Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, who's traumatized from the experience. But even mentions, like, in the sketch, he's like, even if I just wanted a piece of pizza, it's like I had to go to war, <laughs> you know? It was just like, <laughs> it, it was crazy. Like, I, I feel like that kind of reaction is like, is Kevin just, like, that bad of a kid? Like, what happened before now? It just seems like he's just, like, kind of wandering around just wanting help. <laughs> You know? Yeah, like every family member's against him. He doesn't have anyone on his side, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not from like a big family, but even like, I'm sure there would be just different dynamics besides just like everyone hates Kevin and he's incompetent. There'd be some, if, if he's got, he's got like what, four or five brothers and sisters and then his cousins, mm-hmm. someone's got to be on his side. Yeah. I think at least uh, Fuller would be, but Fuller just yeah. like is willingly. They would bond over being on the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. yeah. Fuller just wants to piss all over him. That's all he wants. And, to you, do. and that's the thing is the, the, the look on Fuller's face mm-hmm. when he's drinking the Pepsi, it like he kind of winks at Kevin and he's like, yeah, I'm going to piss on you. It's like, he knows yeah. he does it and he's like happy about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he like doesn't care. Um, he's like. The thing with the milk spilling too, it's like, it's interesting because. Like Kevin spills the milk and you know, you know, ruins all that stuff. But then his his dad spills the soda. Like his dad like mm-hmm. sees what's happening and he spills that whole bottle of soda and that's what spills on Frank. And then Frank freaks out. And it's like this chain of events. But it's like if he had only spilled the milk, like if nobody overreacted it, it like instantly, 
like would there still have been that kind of reaction or was it just like was frank more pissed at his brother like the father says he's his father's brother right not his mother's brother mm-hmm. i i couldn't uh, really tell it seemed like it was his think, mother's think... brother hmm. uh peter it, frank is peter's older brother uh, so John okay is, is okay yeah um yeah so maybe he's just like super pissed that his brother spilled soda on him and then he just takes it out on kevin because he's like the the ignition for everything but like mm-hmm. yeah, it's a total overreaction on everything it's just it's wild yeah, why, Kevin, why, if you're gonna, or like have pizza and dinner and like all this like why are you putting all of the passports and tickets right, like on that, the same table with all this stuff like there's a big lack of organization for by the McAllisters across the board oh, yeah. in terms of just like not packing pro- you know like okay whatever the power went out your alarm didn't go off but like the fact that they didn't just have like okay let's put suitcases by the door so tomorrow morning we can wake up and just get dressed and then go but the fact that they have no type of structure or plan he thinks someone there would have been like i'm good at like making itineraries and just assigning roles to people yeah. uh but obviously they never learned the lesson as we see in the sequel but right uh yeah and like yeah. nobody nobody wakes up like everybody right, right, oversleeps. Yeah. There's no one's an early riser. Like the aunt, like maybe she's like, oh yeah, I get up early and you know I have make, I'll make the coffee yeah. and the stuff. Yeah. Like, just sleeps. All in. of my older relatives historically wake up at like five a.m. Like right, right, exactly. you know what? I bet Uncle Frank woke up and was like, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna wake everybody up. Yeah. I'm gonna go it's back on my to- job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's probably yeah, fucking watching a movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I, that, I, I did notice with the pizza scene, like something a detail that I did notice for the first time is when they are cleaning up the big mess of soda and milk and pizza that Kevin's plane ticket is accidentally thrown into the trash. Oh, I with never all those that. napkins. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I've never, yeah. you know, thank, thanks HD streaming, you know, yeah. compared to watch this on VHS. So that was probably, you know, logically, that's a reason why no one really quite noticed until it was too late that he was left home alone. Right. right. Yeah, because there were no like leftover tickets to hand out or anything. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing with the pizza. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about think... pizza most of this. This is the pizza cast. Yeah. Speaking of pizza, um, I'm getting another Justin, slice. I think Justin, you have this written in in your yeah. notes too. But like, the pizza gets delivered, and Kevin comes down like 45 seconds later and buzzes right. like, "All oh, the cheese pizza's gone." And it's like, <laughs> I understand. There's like. 12 people here, but there are 10 pizzas or something. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a bunch of different kinds. Not everybody took one slice of cheese pizza. Like how does a cheese pizza disappear that quickly? Like Kevin is totally within his rights to be pissed. Cause it's like, if you knew everyone was going to want one slice of cheese pizza, then maybe get more than one plain cheese pizza. Like, yeah, there's 10, 10 pizzas. Mm-hmm. Like let's see the math. How many, how many McAllister's are there? There's probably there's 14, there's 14 McAllister's 10, mm-hmm. 10 pizzas and average. How many slices per pizza? Maybe like eight. eight, like eight yeah. slices per pizza. Yeah. Okay. So eight. So there's 80 slices of pizza. So <laughs> if like it, the math doesn't work out. So everybody would have had to have eaten. Uh, 5.7 pieces of pizza. <laughs> within, within, within minutes, within minutes. And I mean, I know there was only one, they only ordered one plain cheese. But still, like, I, which is the fault of the of organi- lack of organization? That you think at least the Mrs. McAllister would have been like, I know my son Kevin likes his cheese pizza. Let's just get an extra one. We're already paying 120 bucks for ten of these. Yeah. So even if you have that many people, like, anytime I've been to like a big event where it's like, hey, let's order a bunch of pizzas, nobody's like, all right, I need one with mushrooms, one with like olives. It's just mm-hmm. like, just get plain ass cheese pizza. Everyone right. will be happy. Like, no custom orders, just twelve cheese pizzas or yeah. ten cheese pizzas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just 
Uh, Which I mean, leads to a later, like, you know, everyone kind of, like, uh, gets what's coming to them later on slightly. Like, well, Kevin takes revenge on the pizza guy who had nothing to do with this decision. It's not his fault. Gets stiffed out of a tip and, like, almost, you know, he almost, you know, feared his life was in danger from, like, falling for the movie dialogue that was played backwards. Um, that was just one of those strange things that, like, this kind of anti-service service person uh, mentality that Kevin has. Hmm. Uh, he's always, you know, we see him like even with the grocery store woman, you know, checking him out, like checking out his food. And this is just kind of like a, like a vestige of like the nineties and just, you know, not everyone gets humanized except for like the main characters, but and the convenience store lady, when he asks about the toothbrush, if it's approved by the American dental association, yeah, stop fucking with her. You know, she's, she's just (laughs) also, but to that lady, I don't think he's, I don't think he's fucking with her though. No, no. I mean, I I think think he generally, yeah. I don't think he knows what it means, but I think he's genuinely okay. like, oh, I wonder, like, is this approved by them? Like, because maybe I have a toothbrush that says that it is a home or something. Like, I, think I don't the think writing... he's like, he's doing that, yeah, incidental error mm, intentionally. Right. The character's not doing it, but I mean, I think no, the, the writing no, no. of the script, like, I think that is doing it because, yeah, there is that kind of trope. I think in those kind of movies where it's like, oh, service industry people, you know, and mm-hmm. like, they're all, all the adults are almost all the enemies. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's. Um, just, but, that's what this movie does well. It's just you know even like how they shoot the adults. They just kind of, and like how they when they have the, those shot reactions to, to Kevin and just like they have this high camera angle on top of him from their point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, really kind of puts you into his his mind space, his headspace. And while we're still talking about the pizza, let's talk about let's go please <laughs> let's, about, please. let's <laughs> keep on the pizza. Let's talk about Nemo's. This is like a big pizza movie. So it's a big mac and cheese movie and it's a big pizza movie. Um, milk, a lot of cheese, a lot of milk. It's a big dairy film yeah. overall. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes or less or you or or you don't pay. Okay. So 10 pizzas. Somehow Nemo's is able to construct 10 pizzas, multiple different toppings. That's it. They're not all cheese. There's only one cheese and was also able to like cook these, give them to the delivery guy. The delivery guy was able to get to the house all within 20 minutes. That's insane. That is an insane system. <laughs> I, and I, I'm assuming it took 19 minutes to make the pizzas, but then like they, they, they only live a minute away, right. which really asks like why couldn't someone just go walk over and pick them up instead of having to get them delivered? Yeah. So you know, Buzz could have went. Do they, yeah. Does he actually say that out loud, or it's just like on the pizza box or whatever? What? That it's like 20, like 20. I think it's on the side of the car, mm-hmm. outside of his okay. delivery car. Yeah. Because like I watched, I, there was like a 17 minute like clip of like just deleted and alternate takes and stuff, uh-huh. and there is an extra scene where the kid is like. To the two um the two cousins like polar and the uh, little girl um he's like you you punks are proof that i was here in under 30 minutes or whatever and, like that scene gets gets cut but like i don't remember if, if it was vocalized like in the movie because in my head i was thinking like well there's got to be like an asterisk somewhere or like this is for like one pizza like right not not 10 pieces or 10 pizzas or whatever but it does it does like still make it into the script somehow that would be smart. That'd be it's smart uh, business like thing. It's like okay, well, one pizza, twenty minutes or less. That's yeah. a, that's kind, right. That's even not Every even that pizza reasonable. gets twenty minutes extra. Like I just ordered from Lehigh Pizza and it took fifty minutes, and all I got was chopped garlic on it. So it's like mm-hmm. it still takes time. I wouldn't trust a pizza place. Yeah, you don't want that fast because also like how many traffic accidents and deaths were caused by like just <laughs> yeah. you know speeding delivery yeah. drivers. Yeah, just well, I mean a pizza twenty minutes. Pizza can cook in like seven minutes or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, especially like if those big hot ovens. So like, if you have the dough and everything like out and the size it needs to be on, then like putting the, the stuff on it and put it in there. Like at max, it's like twelve minutes. But then yeah, that other eight minutes or whatever, just like get to the house, it's like 
impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we're just, I, I we're once poking all hole, all the holes in this movie. <laughs> I, I once spent a summer. I, I worked at a, a, a Domino's as a delivery driver, and like you didn't want to just take one pizza at a time. It's almost like it was like, all right, we have like ten orders coming in. I'm gonna take these five because they're all like in this direction of town. They're all south of Main Street, so I, I don't want to just keep going south, north, south, north. So let me take all these together and then kind of make my way back. So there's a strategy. There's an art to the, the to the delivery and. Uh, I, I'm glad that this whole nine, 20 minutes or less thing is either it was an invention of, of movies or it happened in one place in Chicago. Maybe it's, just, it's a Chicago thing. This is, you know, this is all shot in Illinois. It's, um, you know, there's some cultural touches and just landmarks that we see in the film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, well, all right. That's so pizza. The, that's the pizza. Any, any other pizza talk? <laughs> Can I, move on I, pizza? Think, I think I'm all good with the pizza talk. Now. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, we have. Uh, Macaulay Culkin, that's uh, mm. uh, Mac. Mac, little Mac, um, little Mac attack. He's. Uh, I watched him. I uh, watched an early interview with him on Regis and Kelly, like the the day the movie came out, or like the weekend the movie came out, or whatever. And he's wearing like a little like sports jacket. <laughs> and then, I don't know. It's just like uh, it seemed like he had a good time making this movie, but like I love what Macaulay Culkin has evolved into. Is like I listened to his episode on with uh, Mark Maron on WTF. And just like uh, he like ha- like owns a home in in France and in New York, and he just kind of travels back and forth and just paints and just kind of hmm. plays in. Uh, to relate back to the pizza, he plays in a band. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a Velvet Underground cover band, but they replace all the lyrics about pizza. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I think he only plays like um, the tambourine though, or something like that. But that's my style. Yeah, it's the only instrument I ever played too. Right. Um. Yeah, I like. I haven't. I mean, I, I see him pop up every now and then. He he's in like a lot of the red letter media stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he pops up there, which is really weird to me because I remember like just watching red letter media stuff like years and years ago, and it was just like the dumbest stuff. And it was now they're just like hanging out with Macaulay Culkin, and it's like yeah, it's, this is very <laughs> very bizarre. It's like deceptive how popular they are because it's like when that starts happening, it's like oh, I guess a lot of people watch this, but it doesn't. It, yeah. doesn't, it never feels like it. it. Always just they have always kept it kind of feeling like it's like this small thing. Yeah, it still feels like a secret, like only like 30 people know about. And yeah. it's just like, I don't know. Like if I ask my family about it, like obviously they're not going to know who it is, but nerds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he's great. In I this don't, movie, yeah, though. he's also like the, the smallest child ever. Like mm-hmm. he is so little. He's like eight years old or whatever, which probably means he's like 10 years old mm-hmm. or something like that. But he is just like the tiniest human like ever recorded, I think. Like he's just so little. Yeah, I, in that interview I watched, he was uh, we just asked him how old he was, and he's ten. He was ten at the time of the movie being released, and then he also mentioned how um, they were trying to bulk him up and get him to gain weight because all of his classmates were like ninety pounds, Jesus. and he was like sixty-two pounds. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> he's like so small. Um, but he's 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 great in this, um, and he's even smaller in Uncle Buck, which is seems to be yeah. impossible. Uh, <laughs> And like a side note, like did everybody know that Uncle Buck like inspired this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a John, uh, it's a John Candy film, obviously, but is, is uh, John Hughes yeah. is he involved in Uncle Buck? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The uh, there's a scene in Uncle Buck where Macaulay Culkin is peering at him through the uh, the ma- or some character through the mail slot, and he asks them for the right. like identification or whatever. And then also like I think also the scene where he's like interrogating Uncle Buck um john hughes that gave him the idea for home alone he's like oh well, what if like macaulay culkin was was played a character who was home alone and then that's that inspired him to like make this movie um then of course uh john candy makes a uh 
great appearance in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, a lot of this movie is just Macaulay Culkin screaming. <laughs> yeah, good good screaming movie. Him and um, and Marv when he gets the tarantula on his uh-huh. face, just like yeah. really just raw, almost like blowing out the sound the sound levels. Yeah, just these, these emotional screams that just come from this deep dark place. Now that's actually an ADR a thing. thing, right? Like they they no, added his- the scream later. Marv's scream, I, I read about that uh, this morning. Like his scream was done on set, uh, like recorded live on set, but only after he was assured that uh, tarantulas don't have ears. <laughs> he didn't want to like damage the hearing of the spider, I guess. Yeah, I think they were playing a, they were playing a prank on him. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to get like a mechanical spider. Don't worry. And then on the day of set, they're like, oh, you know, we someone forgot the batteries. So like, uh, we're just going to use the real one. But don't, yeah, don't worry. He's He's got yeah. a hearing problem, so... <laughs> One of my favorite things is how fake the spider is when it's on Harry's chest. Like, oh, it's yeah. not even the same color. It's just like a plain, like, black fake spider. And it's just like, they didn't even try. It's just mm-hmm. so clear that it's a fake rubber spider. I love that moment. It's one of my favorite moments. And it's only gotten better as I've gotten older. Because I think <laughs> Harry generally thinks that Marv is going to kill him. And he doesn't know why. He's like, Marv? Marv, what are you doing, Marv? He's like, hold still. <laughs> it's like, tables have turned. <laughs> yeah, he skews with Kevin now. <laughs> He switched sides. Yeah, just like imagine waking and up then he, and somebody's over you with a crowbar and you don't understand what's happening. But yeah. And then when he gets up and he just beats him in the arm with a crowbar, like hits him like six times, just like. Yeah. It's, uh, that's kind of, that's, I mean, that hurt so much. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's just it's so, so they, full of rage. The movie kind of Damn sets you up for them being very competent criminals where like um, uh, Harry is going undercover as a cop. He's got a cop uniform. He's just playing the part and he's doing recon. But then the fact that they just kind of downgrades from there and they just a couple of bumbling fools. It's mm-hmm. in another direct. I don't know. It's just I don't know what I was expecting, but like it just would have been interesting to see if they would have. Why didn't he bring out the cop uniform again to like to, to break in? That would have definitely helped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. You think he would have. It seems like they're pretty established. Like they when the, there's the scene where um, the pizza guy's tort or no, uh, he plays the the video of the movie. Um for Marv and Marv thinks like some guy got snake got blown named snake got blown away and they're like going through the Rolodex in their mind it's like I don't think I know a snake and uh, so it seems like they're involved like they know other people of like the criminal element and I also was thinking like they probably make the, like Christmas is probably this is their biggest score of the year so they probably do this on the holidays and then they don't have to work the rest of the year like so this is probably like they're mm-hmm. like like the Alaskan like crab fishermen <laughs> they work like one week a year, two weeks a year, and that like that makes their entire income. So it kind of makes sense that they were like so desperate to get into the McAllister house because I would have just fucking left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, enough. We'll just we'll just uh, you, whatever we got from the Murph from the Murphy house, that's good enough. Uh, yeah, they they already hit four other houses on the same street, so mm-hmm. it's like right. you really need that one. Like right. really, it's just like a pride thing. They were like, this is the one we. You want it from the beginning, and it's just you don't need it though. Yeah, and you look at what they're, they're stealing, and when they when they are knocking over the Murphys, it's just like tchotchkes and just like some like wooden statues and like a lot a lot of silver and gold, I'm sure. But they're just yeah. kind of take it all to like you know some uh some place where they bring like copper piping, you know, and get like five cents five cents a pound for yeah. it. <laughs> but Marv is like breaking half of it. He just scoops everything yeah, into yeah. a bag with his crowbar, and it's just like everything's just shattering <laughs> into pieces. Just. Yeah, Marv is like he's like chaotic. Like like at least Harry has some kind of moral compass because when Marv is like turning all you know like doing the wet bandits thing and turning on all the faucets and calling cars and even Harry's like you're sick. That's a sick thing to do. It's like yeah, we're we're stealing their stuff, but at least they could probably claim it on like an insurance 
thing and get, you know what I mean? It's like, it seemed like he was just like, we don't need to destroy their houses. That's like, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so though they do, their, their van that they're using does say like, uh, it's like, okay, electrical and plumbing uh, repair. So, yeah. you know, they could be, uh, if there, there could have been a layer where they, you know, they're creating the problem. So then they get hired to fix it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I never know. thought about that before. That's a good point though. So yeah, maybe they're like um, actually plumbers for their day guys, jobs. Yeah. I mean, I know the movie needs them to be like these bumbling idiots who yeah. we just take joy in them just slipping down the steps and getting uh, their bodies decimated. But yeah, there there is another couple of um, deleted scenes with them that really I think humanized them too much that they had to cut it out because it kind of made uh, them like kind of like cute characters or whatever. But like one of them is Harry. Uh, Harry's Joe Pesci, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, he goes on this whole rant about how the reason he like likes to rob houses at Christmas is because people have lost the true meaning of Christmas and it's <laughs> all commercialized and he just, it makes him sick. So he's the Grinch. So he just like, he's the Grinch. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then they also sing this song together in the van. Um, it's like to the tune of Santa Claus is coming to town, but it's Harry and Marv are like coming to town or whatever. And it's just about oh, them nice. house and robbing you. And it's like this really cute little thing. They're like chuckling to each other and stuff, but it's like very clear that like, this made them would have made them like way too like cute and likable to like yeah. keep in the movie. Um, it doesn't, it totally goes against their like seedy element of being criminals, but it's, mm. it's really weird stuff. It is. He goes on this whole rant and then Marv is just like, okay. Uh, sure. All right then. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah. It seems like they're friends. Like they're just people. And it is interesting that mm-hmm. we get, we spend so much time with them and Kevin. And so they're not like, it would have been probably too scary if they uh, if we never saw them until like the end because then it's like who are these people? Um, but it is it is uh, yeah I, I like that we do get to spend some time with them. But I, that does make sense that like we don't want to care about them too too much mm-hmm. because we want to yeah. kind of see them get lit on fire, um, right? And fall for uh, movie lines that, that I mean obviously they're not cinephiles, uh, Marvin Harry. They didn't recognize the <laughs> the great classic of Angels with Dirty Faces. Um, uh, Corey, you have the Blu-ray of this, correct? Yeah, but I watched it on uh, HBO or Disney Plus. Oh, okay, yeah, me too. Um, but they, but on the, but I have a couple different versions of it. Yeah, the special features has the that movie, like the clip from that movie, as like, you just watch that, right? Like oh, they made cool. like a sh- they made a short of like that whole like Angels with Angels with Filthy Souls or whatever yeah, it's called. In the, souls. Yeah. Um. So they made like a short of that movie, and that's on uh, that Blu-ray. Yeah. That's cool. I like that they just made it for this movie. I always, growing up, thought it was like a real movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same here. I thought it was just one of those movies. That just you just nineteen. It was like you know, black and white, old yeah, old men and old women. It's like all right, it's probably just never saw it. <laughs> it maybe it's on TCM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I was skimming the original screenplay of this movie, and like the last scene of the film is just a shot of Harry and Marv in prison. Like it's just like it's movie day, and they're, and they're watching this movie, and like they've like, oh, that's. That's what we heard. It just oh, wow. puts a nice little bow and everything. Huh. I guess that wasn't part of any deleted scenes, but it was in no. one of the versions of the script. Oh, okay. Another thing with the script or the screenplay, at least, I don't know um, if when he was ever really introduced or thought about, but Old Man Marley wasn't in the original screenplay. He just wasn't when there. I, at the all. one I saw, he was. So I guess it was a fairly early draft. Uh, yeah, like they, I guess, um, Chris Columbus. Um, brought it up and he and John Hughes like realized that the movie needed more of an emotional hook. So they added him as a character 
And like, I just can't like fathom what this movie is without him in it. Like there's, he's in such important like beats of the movie that like, how do you even have a movie that makes sense without him? Yeah. He saves Kevin from, uh, the, the the hook on the door at the end and you know takes down yeah. Barry Marr well, and he like nails down the the entire theme of the movie is family and he he kind of mirrors Ke- like he's like an older Kevin in the beginning of the movie Kevin's like I want to mm-hmm. get ma- when I grow up and get married I'm gonna live alone where it's like mm-hmm. and then the con the, like the parallel of it is old man Marley who is alone and older and he's like kind of like mirroring like Kevin's kind of aspirations to like get rid of his family. And then now there's this old man who has no family left or his like estranged from his family. So it's like, it kind of like to take him out of it would kind of take away that emotional kind of anchor of the movie of like, right. And I'll, you know, and also, yeah, he saves him. So it's like, so Kevin, yeah. Yeah. He's also like, he's metaphorically like he, he's very like realistically and he, and, and metaphorically, like uh, a mirror for Kevin. Cause he's got this, this wound on his hand. The first time you see him um, in that store, he's got like the bandage around his hand. Um, and as the movie goes on, like his hand heals, like when they're in the church, like he's only got a little bandaid on his hand. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, when he waves at Kevin, like there's nothing on his hand, like everything's fixed. He's with his family again. He's got a son and all that stuff. And Kevin's family's back. So it's just like these very like important emotional touch points mm-hmm. that are just like, I can't, I'm like, it must, I don't know if it was like super, super early where they were like, oh, we definitely need to add him in or if they like, I can't imagine it was like after they shot anything, like it had to be like the first, oh, yeah. very oh, first yeah, draft yeah. of the, the screenplay or something. Cause it's just like, it doesn't make sense to not have him in it at all. It's just, it's so bizarre. The version of the script that I found online is, is the fourth draft. So, and he's, mm-hmm. he's in it in the entire time. So I guess yeah. it was very early. I mean, yeah. he could have like appeared less menacing you know what i mean he doesn't he doesn't say hello he just stares <laughs> and i don't know if I'm, oh yeah yeah he's got those those big like leather boots that like none, none of the straps are are laced and it's just got that 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 really just kind of menacing squeak to him when he's going through like the, the little store there mm-hmm. and even like that, sh- that low the really low angle on them as he walks through really mm-hmm. menacing mm-hmm. uh buzz does tell the story it's like oh he's the the south bend slayer like he killed his family in the whole neighborhood <laughs> Yeah, and well, and then later on when he does uh, when Kevin meets him in the church, he's like you know you probably heard some rumors about me, but they're not true. But like, well, how did that rumor start that you killed your whole family? Yeah, and in the like, neighborhood. If you get to a point like where Buzz... you have to approach children and be like, "Hey, kid, just to let you know, <laughs> people are saying a lot of things about me, but they aren't true," <laughs> and it's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> I really like when um when Buzz tells his cousin that story. He's like, "Have you ever heard of the South Bend Shovel Slayer?" And his cousin's like, like, "No," and he's like. That's him. It's like he doesn't care what the response is. He's like, he, he has no reason to know who this person is or know what the legend is. But he's was just like so intent on telling the story that he's like, oh, you never heard of him? Well, that's him. It's like, well, I don't I still don't know who he is. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But just like everyone's got like that old man in their neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. Like when you're growing up and I hope to be that old man one day. who's just like a right. creepy old man who doesn't do anything. But people are like, he's so old that he's scary. Yeah, like yeah. he never leaves his house and he like People are gonna Just like the, the whole kids thing are gonna dare each other to like ring your doorbell, Corey. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I hope. Um, um, just the whole like the salt turns the bodies into mummies line, just like completely nonsensical. And then like he's the idea that like these, like what happens to the bodies then? Like what's there's salt in the thing, so there's just bodies in the trash can, and he's using the same salt to like salt the sidewalks, but there's still a body in the thing. Like 
if the if the salt turned the bodies into other salt and then he salted the sidewalk, like that would make more sense in my head. But it's just like <laughs> typical like kid brain where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like the scary story. Oh, I didn't um, question. I don't it. think Buzz even believes it. Yeah, I didn't question it the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, that makes total oh, sense. No. That trash can's full of the bodies. The the bodies are salt mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um. It's like that one serial killer who like was working on on like the creation of the LA highways, and he just hid all his bodies underneath all the freeways as they right. poured you know fresh concrete on top of them. <laughs> uh, this is just in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, oh my god! But once once the snow melted, we obviously just saw the bodies. Right, right, right. It's so, hard to get rid of a body. Really ineffective. Well, yeah. yeah. And isn't he like their neighbor? Because Kevin looks outside the window, yeah. and he lives like next <laughs> yeah, door, directly next door. Yeah. <laughs> it was at his house uh, he ran to. No, it couldn't have been because it was... The, no, was that was the Murphy's house. house. Uh, what, what yeah. was Kevin's plan? Was he trying to get them to follow him in the basement and like lock the door? or Because he, he's still so confident. I was talking to Addy about this when we were watching it. That he's still so confident before he runs into the house. He's like, I'm going to call the cops. But there's like no trap down there. Like I don't understand what his plan was. It, yeah, in fact, he had to pretend yeah. like, oh, 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 my name is Murphy, like... They robbed my house. Like you, you, I mean, I hate poking the logic in this thing, but like, yeah, you could have just done that when they first approached. Someone's robbing my house. Yeah. Come on by. Yeah, you could have called the cops ahead of time and been like, hey, these guys are going to rob my house at 9 o'clock tonight, which, again, they are mm-hmm. super punctual. Like, yeah. as soon as that clock yeah, is right, like, yeah. <laughs> they pull right up, it's like, <laughs> yeah. we got no time to waste. Yeah. It's 9 p.m. Like, it's actually 8.57. We're going to pull up a little early so we can prepare. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's really Cat weird. Like, and then known for being on time. Yeah. And then I wonder, like, does Kevin know, like, did he scout out the Murphy house first? Like, does he know the basement is full of water? Mm-hmm. Was that a surprise to him? Like, I, it doesn't. Yeah, it is weird. It is a weird thing because he didn't set any traps yeah. in the house. It was just like, I always thought, I don't know, that he was going to lock the door behind him and then they'd just be in the basement. But even then, it wouldn't buy him as much time. But also, I now that I'm thinking of it, maybe he expected them to run away. I mean, he was like, I'm going to call the cops. And then maybe he expected them to be like, oh, crap. That's, you know, now we're going to get away. But it's like, no, you've that's our cue. (laughs) I think I think the main thing is he doesn't want his parents to know anything has gone wrong. So he's not going to call the cops on his own house. Right. So he's like, well, whose house can I go to that I know isn't home who, you know, the cops can come and help me or whatever. Right. Um, you do say like, yeah, we're poking holes in this movie, but it's because we love it so much that we can talk about it. Oh yeah, we got it. Yeah. Um, we're just, we're, we're we're unpacking some things and it's just like stuff that, uh, I don't know. I love talking about this this movie, and that's part of the comedy of it. Is like it doesn't really need to make any sense. Like, like the yeah. I mean, there's always like that really yeah. bad Family Guy moment. Uh, one episode was like Home Alone with competent criminals, and they just kind of burst into the house. Or like, yeah, we just kind of avoided these micro machines and don't go down that slippery staircase. And then they see Kevin, they just shoot him in the yeah. head. Like, no witnesses. Sorry, we don't want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. Um, I have to say, if I lived in that neighborhood and in that house. I would not go to France for Christmas. That's like, you live in this insanely beautiful neighborhood and house. Like, this movie has poisoned my brain to where I will never be happy unless I live in that house. And I never will because the world in in this economy. Like, it's never going to happen. And I I want that John Hughes house. You know what I mean? Um, But, like, why would you leave that house? Like, have Christmas in this neighborhood. But the entire block is gone on Christmas? Yeah, I've never seen the appeal of like traveling anywhere else for Christmas. Like, even if you like, it's your normal house, and it's just like this is my home. It's like you have your tree, you have your decorations, like you have all your stuff. Like, you wake up in your bed and you get up early and go open presents, and like your parents make breakfast and whatever. And it's just like, 
who wants to like be in a weird different place yeah. on christmas like it just doesn't yeah, they barely sold like the appeal of going to france like they, like they had some relatives there but you know unless you say like yeah these are like you know we're, we're uh my 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 uncle pierre and his wife uh lucy they uh you know they live in the Eiffel Tower, and Santa Claus is going to be there personally. Wow. And just, just I, I don't know, just it, it wasn't enough of a of an impetus to actually go to France. Yeah. Also, like mm-hmm. scheduling so. fourteen people, getting fourteen plane tickets, like uh. fa- like they would that plane was enormous. Today they would have to have another plane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, fa- uh, you wrote down uh, family vacations here in the uh, in the outline. So like I, I my family never went on vacation during holidays. The only t- travel we'd ever do we'd go to my grandma's like the Saturday before, um, and then we'd always have Christmas at home. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had ninety percent of my time. That's exactly what we did. Like one year, like ten years ago, I did go with my mom's family to um, Arizona for a week for Christmas, and that was actually a lot of fun. But it, you know, just like the four of us, yeah. so not nothing compared to fourteen people. We rode some yeah. ATVs in the snow. It was pretty bad. Nice. Yeah, we never traveled anywhere for Christmas. It was always, like, I would always go to wherever my parents' house was. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, I would go to Florida and, and stay with them for Christmas. And now we have our own place in Texas, so we stay here for Christmas. Um, but when I was a kid, we would always get together at my grandmother's house uh, on Christmas Eve. And it was, like, uh, it's my my father's mother. Um and it was like everybody. So like all the cousins, all of like the uncles and aunts and like everybody would just descend on the house. And it was like this gigantic like Christmas Eve celebration and everyone was just there for Christmas Eve. And then you go home and do your own Christmas thing. But because she like everyone lived within like 10, 15 minutes of each other. So we just drive on down to grandma's house and do Christmas Eve and all the kids would get just spoiled rotten because our some of our aunts just didn't have kids um, either at the time or just still still don't have kids. So it was just like, we're going to spoil mm-hmm. like all of the grandkids are going to get everything they want. Um, like we didn't come from money or anything, but it was like, like growing up now, it's like, I don't have anything to spend money on. Like, I don't have kids. Like I understand like their, their thing now, or like I have nieces and nephews that I'm like, well, screw it. It's Christmas. Like, I don't care. I'm going to buy them presents. Cause like, what am I going to buy some like, dumb bullshit for myself? Like, I don't need it. Yeah. Like rather have like a kid have a toy or whatever. Um, that's what my mom yeah, always, that was said. always She was always like, "Oh, and like, no, you if you have ever have kids, like you kind of get to have Christmas again. You feel like the kid again because you're living it through them. Like you get to see them experience mm-hmm. this for the first time. Um or feel like you have like nieces and nephews or friends with kids. Like it's like you get to I don't know, it's like fun again instead of cuz when you're an adult, it's like, okay. <laughs> like yeah, it's like yeah. it's like I could buy that thing my my own. And even now it's like, yeah, I, yeah, there's not really if you just if you want something, you can just kind of buy. Like I, I don't need the wait for Christmas to buy like uh, uh, the DVD or a book or right. whatever else. You know, really, what, what else do we even have these days? What can we hold in our hands as a gift anymore? <laughs> My family's getting gift cards Thanks. this year uh, just because I couldn't. couldn't yeah, right. I couldn't go to <laughs> yeah. stores, so it's like that's. I got my mom like something small, but uh, and well, and the don't gift say card. it. She might be listening. No, she doesn't. She, I don't. She knows She's what a podcast is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just tell so her to go to podcast.com. My, my mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I have a side. Get her a Stitcher premium account for Christmas. I was going to. I, I was going to get her like a Spotify account or whatever. Because last year I asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And she's like, maybe like some headphones. Because sometimes I'm like walking in the park and people have headphones in and they're connected to their phones. And I just like don't know what they're listening to. I'm like, well, mom, you can listen to anything. It's 
<laughs> like I, I didn't really kind of <laughs> understand it. So I got her headphones, but I don't know if she's used them. I have no idea. Um, she lo- well, Justin's mom, if you're listening, sorry for the spoiler that you yeah. got a gift card for uh, Home Depot. Or- well, that's, well, that's what she wanted. She she wanted a JCPenney gift card because she needs new shoes, but I couldn't find any, so I got her a, just a normal credit card gift card, a Visa. Those are good. Yeah, they're good. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, booby trapping a house. Ooh. Um. Before we get into the booby yeah. trap stuff, I just can I talk about the house real yes, quick? Let's talk I know about we kind of talked about it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this episode can be as long as it needs to be. This is it's it's yeah, Christmas, okay. it's home alone, okay. whatever. Yeah. Cool. Um I, like this has to be like if not the best, like my favorite set design of any movie that I've ever seen, like in my entire life. Like this like you watch movies now especially, um a lot of times it just is like every house just looks like immaculate and it's like, Oh, it's such a nice house. And it's just like a perfect like TV or movie house or whatever. And this house looks so like authentically lived in, like you get onto the basement and there's just like shit everywhere. And there's like shelves with like just random Halloween decorations and just mannequins and stuff like stuffed all over the place. And it's just like dirty laundry on top of the, the washer and dryer. And even the bedrooms just like, there's so many little touches like, that make it seem like this is a real family who lived here. And like all these people have backstories, like you don't know about them, but like there's these, these mannequins and maybe somebody was like a, a seamstress or a tailor or whatever. And like, you don't know who, and you don't know why they have this stuff, but like, it just feels like every person had like a fully fledged out character. It wasn't just like, Oh, well, they have an aunt and they are whatever. Like, it's just his aunt. It's just like everyone, like it feels everything in the, in the house just feels so important. And so, like specific to the characters. It's just one of the things that always stuck out with me. It was just like how real this house like felt. Yeah, it feels lived in for sure. It doesn't feel like a movie. Yeah, set. that opening sequence where like uh the when uh Joe, when Mar Harry's there as the cop and like all the they're all the waiting for the pizza, all the kids are coming down, they keep crossing the frame and then, you know, we ask we kinda we kinda get a really succinct introduction to the whole family based on like how they're moving and like how they talked about the other people and passing passing the the buck of responsibility and and yeah about like even like how like you know you look at um buzz's room was probably one of the more prominent McAllister siblings that we get to really know based on his footlocker full of playboys and junior mints but yeah yeah he likes michael jordan um He's got a tarantula. We never really see. We don't really get a sense of the other McAllister siblings as well beyond just like beyond just like the one girl speaks a little bit of French. Um, there's a redhead guy uh, played by yeah. Big Pete from Pete <laughs> yeah. Pete. Yeah, Big, Big Pete. That's who it is. Okay. Yeah, he looks familiar. Um, I, I think like Buzz is more of a central character, obviously, because he's the big brother. He's also like the baby of the family, or not? The, or he's the firstborn, I should say. So I can imagine Buzz getting away with whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's like he's the he's the first kid, um, he's the oldest. Uh, he has the coolest room. You know, he has like that shelf full of shit. He's got like firecrackers and like, yeah, like you said, the play, the Playboys and stuff. And like, I don't know. I think it has one of my favorite jokes that I realized this time is like the Playboy uh, headline is uh oh geez, what is it? It's like news anchors bear all broad- or something. Broadcast nudes. <laughs> play off the movie broadcast news nice Nice. i also read that they um they taped all the like the pages together so kevin or so Uh, like walking wouldn't see any actual nudity in the magazine as he's flipping through it (laughs) that's great that's That's a pretty good solution as opposed to just making like a whole fake magazine you know just yeah just taping together just you don't want to get in trouble (laughs) 
also in Buzz's little locker, um, the picture of his girlfriend. Um, woof. Who, like, I say woof like, in my daily life, like all the time, just because of Home Alone. Um, the his that picture of his girlfriend is actually the art director's son. Um, John, I think John Hughes. Um, it was either John Hughes or Chris Columbus. They thought it would be too mean to use a picture of an actual girl and have Kevin be like, "Oh, she's so ugly." So they got a boy to dress up like a girl and purposefully make him unattractive uh so they wouldn't feel as bad about saying that it was an ugly girl yeah you'd forever be the wolf girl forever for yeah. the rest of your fucking life um i mean look mm-hmm. what happened to macaulay culkin he's forever the kid from home alone um and imagine that kind of torture just like <laughs> yeah that makes sense and she, she's also making this like really ridiculous like face it's like a really bad photo yeah <laughs> um yeah and it's kind of her fault it's funny to me that uh wait isn't the picture in the locker it's funny to me that buzz doesn't have it displayed it's like hidden under the bed so like either he's in this relationship and he doesn't want anybody to know because he it'll make him appear weak because he's a chubby kid and he feels like he has to like have this armor this like social armor and be like an asshole to everybody i'm just psychoanalyzing him and then or it's an ex and he's like, forget this. Mm-hmm. Like, I he can't get rid of the photos. Maybe Buzz is heartbroken. There could be a lot of reasons why Buzz is the way Buzz is. You know, it's a I nice frame. I wouldn't throw yeah, it out either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the former. I think it's he's he's such a tough guy. He has to like have this appearance that he can't have like a picture of the girl he loves out in his room. He has <laughs> right. to like hide it away and like only he can know it's there. Because if somebody sees it, and, like makes something about it, he'll just lose his mind. Oh yeah, I mean, revealing any kind of weakness in the McAllister household you're done for like, yeah. yeah. Like you have to be like on edge constantly. Like you just get, seems like you just get shit on. Um, yeah. The fact that like, yo, Kevin does not have to pack a suitcase. So like, well, yeah, you think one of the older sisters would, or someone would have just like, well, Kevin, just, just watch what I do. And just learn, learn by example. Yeah. It's not that hard. But uh, one yeah, sister just, at least tells him like, what, why are you worried? Like, you know, mom's going to pack your suitcase. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's the only one who's like semi decent to him. Everyone else is just like, "You're incompetent. Get out of my room. You're disease." Yeah. She's yeah. like, "Why are you worrying?" Like, so maybe there is one one McAllister who's nice to him. I do like that they they do come around and when they're in the hotel room in France, though, like they're like, you know, it's like, "Oh, he's so little. I'm I'm worried about him." And like even Buzz at the end is like, mm-hmm. "Hey, it's pretty cool. He didn't burn the place down." Like he he kind of like his siblings kind of come around to him, um, which was yeah. which was nice to see. I mean, Uncle Frank just vanishes from the movie. Presumably just like eating trim cocktail and doesn't give a shit if Kevin is alive or dead. <laughs> but Yeah. He, he stayed in France with the shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah there's all this shrimp here. It's just going to go bad. I better just stay. Yeah. They said he had to pay for his own plane back. He's like, you know, I'm just going to walk. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not paying for a yeah. flight back to the United States. <laughs> we have to pay for flight changes. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a, I'll find a boat maybe. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the booby traps. So I sent okay. you, did anybody have a chance to watch that video where the doctor analyzes the injuries from Home Alone? I, I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, for yep. the listeners, uh, seek it out. It's pretty interesting. They also do the sequels. Um, they have, have real doctors kind of watch the show, uh, the movie, the injuries frame by frame and kind of say like what they would have had. I made like a quick list here. We got ruptured genitals, lower lumbar injury, busted ribs, uh, skin grafts for his burnt hand. Uh, a corneal burn from the iron, nerve damage in your feet from stepping on a, uh, the nail. Oh, that always mm-hmm. gets me. Every Second time. and third degree yeah. burns on his head and his hat had been like burned into his skin. So the nurse was just like, oh, there's probably some like probably some bone showing at that point. Um, ocular and nasal fractures uh, causing brain pressure and possible death. 
when he gets hit with the crowbar in the chest, that would probably crack his sternum and puncture his lung. Um, yeah, so there's like, uh, and then I watched briefly the the one they did for the sequel, and uh, one of the guys was just like, yeah, he he'd be dead. <laughs> Even worse with the, mm-hmm. the bricks to yeah. the head. Yeah. Uh, and he gets electrocuted, cans. and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he falls like through several stories of a, mm-hmm. a abandoned building onto like concrete, and he's electrocuted and he turns into a skeleton and yeah he's not living the doctor yeah continuing the supernatural theme of these movies you know with kevin wishing upon a star or the moon for his parent family disappear and then like yeah marv turning into a skeleton it could be a some of the occult going on in the background could be one could argue yeah um i was wondering if that was true if like it would just was just like kind of happened you know a coincidence that the series of events happened to leave him there but also with the way the score is, which we'll talk about, like the little kind of like playful kind of like thing happening and then like the branch seemingly just cracking for no reason. Almost it seems kind of magical. It does. Some trickster god out there is just like, you know, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. So let me just take out the power and the phone lines. Yeah. It's the magic of Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He was like, this is what the family needs to remember that they love each other. This is mm-hmm. sprinkle some Santa magic on the neighborhood and this was going to happen. <laughs> um, the, 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 the glue and feathers just seem to be, that's at the point where you're like, Oh, he's just looking to actually also, he just humiliate these guys. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the only one though. That's the only one that's like humiliation and not injury. Right. Cause everything else is just like a cause pain. And that's the only one that's just like, well, now you're, you're also going to look like an idiot. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think there's anything else that's just, like, purely for jokes, is there? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, visually, it's kind of, like, reminds you of, like, someone being tar- like tarred and mm-hmm. feathered, which actually can, like, seriously fuck you up. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just kind of, he just got, like, that, that saran wrap with some glue on it, so it wasn't as bad. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but at that point, he'd already been burned twice. And, and like, you know, right. had his uh, genitals shot with a BB gun, so it's, like... Yeah. It probably felt kind of good to just have like that nice like maybe it helped. It was like a salve on his burns. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. Ooh, this is do it again. It's like the major pain uh, kind of uh, way of thinking, right? When he like the guy's leg is hurting, so he just breaks his pinky finger. And he's like, "You're not thinking about your leg now, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> um, um, speaking of the booby traps, uh, what the hell is that thing that he hangs on the doorknob? Like, what is that thing used for? What is that? Like that little hook that just gets hot? Like, what is that thing? It looked like some kind of iron, Did he? like some kind of um, something you'd see in like a blacksmith shop or something, right? What were you gonna say, Jaya? Didn't he get it from like the uh, the barbecue? Wasn't like yeah, a barbecue he like pulls in, it in off the, of the yeah. grill, but like yeah, so something from that or heat up the grill so you don't have to use charcoal or something. Like what the hell is like I've never seen this in my real life, so I don't know what it could possibly be used for. <laughs> well, it seemed like he heated it up on the grill because he takes it from the grill, and then the next shot is. It's like well, it wasn't it wasn't red on the grill. No, it wasn't. But I feel like it yeah. should have been. I feel like he put it, or maybe it was just on. I don't know how he heated it up then. Maybe on the stove. Was it plugged it just, in? It plugs in. It's got like a really yeah. long cord. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, it, it could yeah. be like a um, maybe it's like an old like bug zapper type thing. Or no, that wouldn't make any sense either. I don't know. Yeah, it just always puzzled me. It's like, what the hell is this thing? Like, what would it possibly be used? Maybe for? Maybe he dismantled the water heater or something and took it out of there. Some kind of like heating coil. I don't know. <laughs> It was definitely a weird choice because everything else he did a great job of cleaning up because like when the parents do return like there's no evidence whatsoever except for the gold tooth but like you think that like any kind of like real 
intense heat to the front doorknob, they would have noticed like something's something's different here. You know, you kind of yeah. recognize your own door and yeah. kind of changes that happens to it. That makes. Um, I was looking up on IMDb just like the trivia and goofs section, and mm-hmm. it's full of like the worst people who are oh, just yeah. like, "Well, this isn't realistic." Because of this and the this. internet. And, yeah. <laughs> One of the things is if both knobs on the door became red hot, the wood of the door would have combusted. And it's just like, shut up. Like, it's. Yeah. I had that thought yesterday, kid's too. Movie. But like, like, who cares? It, it, yeah. yeah. But who needs to say it out loud yeah. and like write it on right. the Internet? Like, nobody cares. Like, none of this stuff makes sense in no. real life. Like, just let it be. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, start <laughs> a podcast and talk about it. Don't post about it in the right. IMDb yeah. comments. That's your guess. Yeah, and then you get the credentials yeah, to do yeah. that. The IMDb goofs podcast. Right, right. <laughs> the goofs. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like that—that that, that was confusing. I, I think everything else kind of made sense, though, right? The um, the iron falling. I don't know. That was a cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I always love that shot. Just like the the iron just falling through that that uh that laundry chute. I love how much time he has. Another another great perk of the of the McAllister house. A laundry yeah. chute. You're on the yes. third floor. You got some dirty underwear. Just throw it down the. Laundry he doesn't chute. use it though. He... Into the middle of the basement. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lands. <laughs> I mean, it's dirty anyway. You gotta um, wash it. So might as well just leave it down mm. there. I never, I never assumed that the iron was on. And in that video where like the doctors are like, Hey, like, here's all the things like, you know, the urn sort of like, whatever, like left this on his face. Like I just assumed the imprint was because it hit him at such a velocity. Yeah, me too. Like I didn't assume the, the, the iron was ever plugged in. Yeah. Same here. I didn't think so. No, Cause it wouldn't have fell. Cause it, yeah. Unless he just had it on and then he unplugged it right before they all came in yeah or if it was like plugged in like in the basement like with an extension cord so it was, yeah, it was right. still fall- like so maybe it just wasn't and that doctor was wrong yeah doctors are wrong yeah. doctors wrong mm-hmm. i think in, especially in these times we should not trust doctors yeah no definitely not <laughs> i i mean i've done like so many medical malpractice trials it's like yeah these guys are getting these guys and gals are getting sued every day of the yeah. week so give them a break <laughs> you know I mean, they win like ninety five percent of the time, but still, there's still hey, yeah. something happened there. But there's still some some doubts. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rumors about doctors and maybe you know, killing their whole families in the neighborhoods. But hey, they're just, <laughs> they're just misunderstood. Yeah, I do like um, Kevin's um, uh, blueprints for the uh, the um, the house, like like booby trapping the house, which I'm sure you can buy like a copy of on Etsy or something. I'm sure there's posters out there mm-hmm. of it. A lot of detail, a lot of color. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, re- I I watched the second one right after this, and, like, I noticed it, like, you know, like, the first one, I get, like, you know your house intimately, you know, you can draw a floor plan probably, but from memory, the fact that he kind of replicates this in, like, this kind of brownstone that he's been in for 10 minutes in the sequel is a, one of those other yeah. stretches. My problem um, with that movie, but... I guess Macaulay Culkin actually drew that in the, the first one, at least. Like, he he drew that map. Um, like, it wasn't, like, a prop that oh, cool. made. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. Like he, like they gave him like just some crayons and were like, Hey, go draw it. Like the map with the booby traps or whatever. Like, that's pretty fun. Yeah. It seems like he, this yeah. was like a fun movie for him. Like they took care of him, you know, like, like it seemed like it was a good experience. Yeah. There's some behind the scenes photos. Like they did this like 20 minute thing on YouTube where uh, like, you know, he had like a little camcorder on set, just kind of interviewing the cast and crew and just, yeah, it seems like he had a lot of fun. It looks like he like you know he, he was making like three movies a year like in the in the mid nineties, yeah. like the early to mid nineties, and then he just kind of stopped with like Richie Rich and then just had a whole other chapter of his mm-hmm. life. But you know, we those all the stories like on the Mike on the Mark Maron episode like about his dad just kind of taking advantage of him and his brothers and siblings, just like forcing them to be actors that they didn't want to right. be. Right. So 
Yeah. Yeah, just kind of just acting uh, as a uh, <laughs> agent, just like pimping out his kids, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. you know? Just, yeah, go, go make us some money because his dad was like a failed actor and could never, he never made it. Right. So he's like, oh, you'll make it for me. And I, as far as I know, like, uh, was it R- Rory Culkin? Like, he said that, like, he's still, like, not in touch with him or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember hearing controversy about the Macaulay Culkin or the Culkin household back in the day that he, uh, was like emancipated from his parents at one point or his dad or something like that. Um, because they were like something about the money from he made was a kid, but yeah, I don't know. Child actors, <laughs> you know, Oof. uh, so how about that yeah, score? Something more music. positive. <laughs> John Williams music, uh, very iconic. Uh, every time I hear like the, the, the sequence when they're running late to the airport, you know, anytime I'm late for something, I'm always just hearing that in my head, just, and and I think the the one song was nominated for an Oscar. Maybe it won. Uh, the somewhere in my memory that actually has lyrics oh. to it. Yeah. Uh, the, the is it that at the end? Through line. Like da, when he da, first sees his mom, da, it kicks in. Da, yeah. Da. It kicks oh. in yeah, a few yeah. times. Yeah. With Marley and. Um, I love yeah. the. Um, it's not an original take, a part of the original score, but when he. Uh, He's talking to old man Marley and um, he leaves the church and then it kind of kicks in with that kind of like, it's a, it's a traditional Christmas song, Carol, I believe. Carol but like, it has like drums. Yeah. Yes. And it's like the whole montage of him getting the house ready. I thought that was really good. It really like amps up. You're like, oh shit. Okay, here we go. It's going to happen. Yeah. That song rips, but also like, I'm not a religious like guy or a holiday guy or whatever. Like, I don't care. Um, but like that version of Oh Holy Night they're singing in the church, like that song fucking slaps. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they're going for it. I'm yeah. like, damn, like yeah. I like this song. Like that's the only time I've liked that song, I think. But like, I don't know. It just hits all the right emotional like tones while they're having that conversation like, at that point in the movie. Yeah. Like that version of that song at that moment in the movie is like, it's so good. It's so perfect that that scene. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's like, it's like the end of the second act. So everything's just kind of all the, the bolted and screws are being kind of tightened on the characters mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Things are getting darker. Yeah, speaking of right of dark, we... um, somebody made a note of it in the outline. The uh, the conversation he has because he's going to look for Santa, and it's just that it's that dude with, with like just you know the shitty car and his beard's like kind of off. And he just has like Tic Tacs in his pocket, <laughs> but like there's so many instances where the adults like don't figure out what's going on, even though it's like it seems like there's this kid that's alone. And uh, he goes up to the guy who plays Santa and he's like, hey, I just want to, could I have my family back or whatever? And it's like, you think he would like be like, what do you mean? Is your family gone? Like, what's going, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Do you need me to call somebody? Yeah. It's just so, it's just so, uh, so dark. And I, I love that the guy, like, he could have easily been an asshole, but like, he's like, oh no, everybody talks to Santa gets something. <laughs> like, here's a couple mm. Tic Tacs. Make sure to throw away a cigarette before he talks to him. Yeah, he still cares, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, I thought that was, I thought that was good. Uh, but yeah, like definitely, I, I don't know. I like, yeah, all the, all the characters are played by old, old adults are very yeah. memorable. You know, they're all just have their own little style or twist to them. Even, even just like, even the girls playing the elf who we see for 30 yeah. seconds, you know, even Jimmy, Jimmy, the, uh, I also the love stock the little, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. But it's like, he does that little, little neck swivel when he sees him running out the river. He's like, <laughs> and that, and that cop, and, and, like, and that cop who's with <laughs> so shoplifter. Yeah. That cop's giving somebody a ticket, and he's like, oh, you know what? Let me pause yeah. on this and go chase this eight-year-old yeah. for stealing something yeah. that I can't even see. It wasn't like a TV. Like, <laughs> right, right. obviously small enough that he can conceal it. Like, I'm going to stop writing a ticket and go chase a child. Like, mm-hmm. no. 
Um, I like how the cops kind of frozen and um, hunched over and like looking is like, do you need me to do this? I really don't want to do this. (laughs) Really? Like I, you want me to chase a fucking Yeah. I mean, the cops in this movie are like either portrayed as like incompetent or like potentially oh, yeah. criminal. So. And that one guy, right. like, uh, the, the, uh, he's a he's a really good character. The, actor. Oh, the, the phone scene, yeah, they're trying to like pass pass responsibility back and forth between like child services and uh, like crisis intervention. And yeah, I have that <laughs> note. Good. I love Larry Hankin yeah. so much. It's like I, I, he's in so many things that like just as like a weird character actor guy. Um, he was like the guy who played Kramer's role in the Seinfeld plot where they make the pilot, yeah who's right? in billy yeah. madison yep. um mm-hmm. i just like he can't um, eat his dog i love <laughs> yeah it gets I, yeah, stuck I to love... the receiver you know <laughs> like that's one of my favorite things i feel like there's so many people like so many actors would have been like oh my donut fell on the phone like let's retake the scene but he just like rolls with it and just doesn't care and then like it falls off in mid-sentence and just plops like onto the the table and it's just like it's such like a perfect like 30 seconds because he just could not give a shit about anything he's like there's a donut on my phone. Like, I don't care. I'm talking with my mouth full. Like, the donut fell off. Like, whatever. Like, whatever. Just get me through this day of work. I don't care. That That's my mac and cheese in this movie. I just want him to swallow that donut because the way he talks is like it's stuck in the back of his throat. And it's like, just just stop. Swallow <laughs> swallow your food and then talk. <laughs> Have a glass yeah. of milk. Um, I also love that when he transfers the call back to her, like the, the first lady who transfers to him, puts the call on hold and then it's like hey there's a lady online too she's pretty hyper whatever he doesn't put her on hold at all he just like bangs on the wall and it's like hyper on too and then he just gets back on the phone he's like yeah we're gonna transfer you over and it's like she heard that whole thing like she knows that you're just referring to her as hyper now like a hyper a hyper Mm -hmm. woman how american is that though is uh hey i don't care if you're having a conversation i need this phone right now go away (laughs) right yeah uh but um, I also, on that same note, before we move on, I thought that the um, the plane ride of the McAllisters, um, like when the husband's like, or she's like, oh, do you think we're kind of like heels, kind of like flying first class while the kids are riding in coach and the, and the dad's just like, nah, they're on the time of their lives. They're fine back there. It's like, I never flew as a kid. And like, it, it just, it was just like the entire boomer mentality wrapped up into a nice little package. Be like, oh. No, we got a good. Like you guys, fucking figure it out. Fuck you. We're gonna ride first class, and then yeah. you're just gonna be in coach, and and, and that's your fault. <laughs> like, just cut the like, and they're just like squeezed like tuna can tuna and like just like these tight yeah. quarters. Uh, well, also, <laughs> one thing that's always stuck out with me is like, like again, I didn't ride a, a plane until I was probably like either right at the end of high school or in college. Like I didn't have a reason to. Like any family trip we took was a road trip, so we just drove everywhere. Um, have flights ever worked like that where it's like oh you got you got here just go take whatever seats are left it's like you don't mm. like you always have assigned seats it's not like getting on a bus where it's like well just maybe you'll stand the whole time or maybe you'll find a seat like what the hell no, is it's, that it's, like, they have tickets it's 48 hours or three days or whatever it is before Christmas it's like that plane's gonna be fucking full like they would have yeah. given those seats away now they try to pay you to give up your seat you know they're like Right. right, and if and if they don't pay you, they'll beat you and drag right. you off, kicking the screen. But this is also 1990, mm-hmm. so maybe the air. This is probably pre-airlines, kind of like tightening up and trying to like, you know, removing or adding more seats and like mm-hmm. less legroom and all this stuff. And yeah, you could like bring a friend to the airport, get on the plane with them, and like, all right, you guys are taking off. I'll just get off the right. plane now and just uh, see you. See you later. Also, like, it's just you know, it's pre 9/11. 
And anytime I yeah. see movies yeah. that are like pre 9-11 and there's an airport scene, all I can think about is like, this wouldn't fly. If there were 14 people running at a gate, it's like, you're yeah. not going to get through security that quickly. Like, it's just not going to happen. But I don't know. Well, they are making a Home Alone 6 Thank right God. Now, so, <laughs> uh, with, written by uh, Mikey Day from SNL. And starring, oh. I think, I think the, I think it's starring the kid from, what's what's that movie he was in, Jojo Rabbit. Okay, and also starring Rob Delaney, Ellie Kemper, Keenan Thompson, Chris Parnell, Pete Holmes, Timothy Simons. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was I hate it, too. but I'm conflicted yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to happen. Fun. I like, yeah, like I like like 85 percent of those people, but like I don't. This doesn't need to happen. Just make a different yeah. movie with this. I don't. People. I don't trust. I think Macaulay Culkin's going to be in it though. Mm. So that's 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 what's exciting. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't trust. I I don't rate the quality of movies by the people that are in it anymore because I've over the years, Corey, no. you and I especially have rented so many movies where like we see the cast and it's like, well, this must be good. <laughs> and then it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's got like fourteen of the best actors I've ever seen. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like this yeah. movie's actually yeah. I think it's it. like if you need fourteen of the best actors. That movie's probably not that good. <laughs> like, you should probably be able yeah. to get by with a couple. Probably pretty bad yeah. script. Yeah. 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 What was that movie? It was like all like vignettes about the fairly. It was like uh, movie forty three had like. Elizabeth oh my Banks. god. Corey uh, and I had a bit. Bob Odenkirk. Corey and I had a bit where we watched that movie one minute at a time, for like <laughs> yeah. over the course of a few months. Anytime we couldn't think of anything to watch, it's like, oh, I want to watch another minute of movie forty three. <laughs> and it was always the worst minute of like my day. <laughs> it's got Halle Berry. Uh, Terrence Howard, Hugh Jackman, Johnny Knoxville, Lee F. Schreiber, Jason Sudeikis, Naomi Watts in this. Come on, the most like tryhard edgelord like bullshit comedy where it's just like none of like, these aren't even jokes. Like what? Like what is this? Ugh, what a disaster. But um, the cinematography. So home alone. <laughs> cinematography is. Great. I think we talked. Yeah, I think we talked. Yeah, I talked a lot about this, just like in terms of like the opening scene and just kind of like the camera just following mm-hmm. different McAllisters yeah. through the house, the shots of Marley's boots yeah. going through the little little bodega. Um, well, let's move um, on to uh, John Candy and uh, the polka. The polka. Oh yeah, Justin, you you're looking forward to talking about. Yeah, this. I just uh, John Candy. Yeah, is it a true cameo, Corey? That most of his dialogue was improvised for this. Yeah, it was. It was all improvised, and it his entire thing was shot in a single 23 hour day of shooting and he got paid scale as a favor to John Hughes. So he didn't even get paid like a real wage. It was just like 23 hours you're in and out like that. Cause he only had 24 hours to shoot. So they got it done just under the, the wire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was all improv, yeah. which is amazing. I love it. I love, I, I don't know. Like when he's talking about like each of his like bandmates or whatever. And then, or like, he's like, Oh, it was a, I forget the town he says in like Illinois or Wisconsin or wherever, but it, like, Oh yeah, we sold like 600 well, copies like, <laughs> uh, just locally though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, it's, yeah. it's, he's so funny. 626 copies. Of <laughs> yeah. Sheboygan. That's what it was. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Um, and then he, like, the whole story about he, too, where he leaves his kid <laughs> at the funeral home alone with the corpse <laughs> all day. Yeah. So yeah, he started talking again after six or seven weeks. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <just> so casual. <laughs> I love when he's when they're in the airport and he's like, he's like, hey, I can help you. And then he just like starts rattling off like all of his stuff. And he's like, oh, we, we had some big hits, like starts just naming songs. And she's like, these are songs. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like she just has no idea what the hell he's talking about. And he's just so confident and just like 
dancing and like poco 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 and he starts singing a song and it's just so he's just seems so genuine and it's just like he can't control himself like he wants a helpless woman but first he needs to know who we are and that we're a, a band of poker geeks from the 70s yeah, before you get into a van or a budget truck mm-hmm. full of uh 15 men yeah. <laughs> like who you've never met and he still kind of plays like all right i'll sign your autograph if you, yeah. if you insist you know yeah please um <laughs> i think Selfies i think 50 bucks not related to john candy but to that mm-hmm. scene um there's a guy behind uh what the hell is her name in this movie just mom uh, it's, uh, kate kate mcallister Hey, okay. I don't maybe I don't, I don't know, think they ever say it out loud. It's just it's yeah. just mom. Um there's a guy standing behind her in line at the at the airport who has a beard. Uh and apparently people thought that this guy looked like Elvis. So there was this whole conspiracy theory that that was Elvis. Like Elvis is in this movie just like being there like he's not dead this is elvis he just made a little cameo in this movie just like getting, getting 100 bucks being extra yes yeah, <laughs> just like insane like the level of insanity it's just and then when you look at him it's like i guess he could kind of look yeah. like elvis if you think about it but if you don't know it like you're not gonna think this yeah he's got a beard and yeah. everything like yeah I, d- I never heard that until yesterday addy brought it to my attention um, i mean they said that piers morgan was like the pigeon lady in home alone too mm-hmm. so well, that's, true, yeah, that's yeah i mean that, they found that to be true <laughs> Um, wasn't there other another theory um, too that John Candy's character was the devil? Because there's the moment where she's like, "I would sell my soul to the devil if I could get home," and then he oh. immediately is just like, "Hey, mm. I'll give you a ride." And oh, then wow. there's that whole I've scene in Uncle Buck too, before. or not? No, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where there's that scene shot of him as Satan. <laughs> and then also, wow. Carrie and Marv won't go also. into the church. They're like, "I'm not going in there." Uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe it's uh. Satan, not Santa, that is causing all the, uh, you know. The, the magic he cracked it yeah. i always thought that was really funny uh and weird that they would like make a point of being like i'm not going to the church <laughs> yeah, yeah. like they're just like they know that they're such deviants that they just won't like what's gonna like nothing obviously is physically gonna happen to them but they have this notion that like we're just gonna get struck down if we go into a church right mm-hmm. like they know that they're reprobates yeah. they just can't they can't yeah. help it I mean, I'm reading um, the script, uh, the script, and it, the, the line where she does say, if I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, I'm going to get home to my son. And then it says, suddenly a hand appears on Kate's shoulder. Gus, maybe I can help. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That think, is interesting. I think, yeah, very yeah. intentional. Huh. Um, um, I like the, the thing in the van or the, the budget truck where he's trying to get her to play the clarinet or whatever it is. Um, and he offers it to her like three times and she's like, oh, no, 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 then I'll think I'm fine. And then she finally is just like, no, it's like, he's just like another kid. Yeah. He just like, won't leave her alone. And she's just like, oh my God, like I can't get away from yeah, it. She can only exist in groups of 15 people. <laughs> right? yeah. She can never be alone. Um, I love that. It's yeah. Just try playing this clarinet. Just try it. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. are, those are not easy to play. Like I, I was in marching band and like I, I played the trumpet, but I think I tried playing someone's clarinet. I was like, this, it's such an intricate mouthpiece with like a, with like um what's what's the piece of wood they put in the reed uh reed the reed yeah the reed that that's like the disposable you have to put a new one in every four or five plays whatever and uh Plus there's like the be- spit trap or whatever mm-hmm. like yeah yeah little- it's not just like yeah it's not like handing someone a, a guitar <laughs> yeah. or like a, a little like a bongos it just yeah you know. <laughs> Maybe it's like the devil's instrument, like the, you know, like in that Charlie Daniels song, like he has the fiddle. Like maybe if she played the clarinet, she would have been bound to him. But because she didn't, she gets to go free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think she's, yeah, maybe she did sell her soul. Maybe she's going to hell mm-hmm. at the end of this because um, it does happen again. I think she leased her soul. What's that? 
If she had played the clarinet, it would have been a okay. full purchase. So that, that, was, that was the final, that was the final like, straw. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah, she made it out. Good for her. Um, um, does this movie make you miss driving a budget truck? Yeah, I saw you wrote this in here, and I am triggered by the, by, by the budget truck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't miss that, driving that through Center City, uh, Philadelphia, either. Um, that was uh, Oof, a nightmare. Yeah. Somehow, somehow made it through unscathed, no problems, until we got to a suburb, and I crashed it into that haunted bridge. Like, <laughs> like with no, you know what I mean? Like nothing happened in Philly, but in the, the outlying area of Westchester and Downingtown, nope, had to, had to hit yep. a bridge. <laughs> the weird tiny curved stone yeah. bridges. Yeah. And uh, being told it was haunted later on was, was nice. Um, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Did the cop tell you uh, No, our friend Mark told us that cause he climbed up on the truck to see if there was okay. damage and uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, no, somebody else told us that, yeah, the, the bridges were haunted. So it was one of those things where it's like, uh, I remember turning to Corey. <laughs> I was like, well, we can't stop. And I guess we have to keep going because if we if we had stopped, we would have gotten stuck under there. But I all I remember yeah. is the oncoming car <laughs> waving their arms, be like, no, no, you're not going to fit. <laughs> but I just plowed through and then we just kept going. We didn't uh, didn't file an accident report. Nothing. Yeah. Well, it was also one of those things where it was like only a single lane under yeah. the bridge, but it was a, it was a two lane street, but the bridge was one lane. So like, I think, I don't know if there was a part in the center where it would have been enough clearance, but we were still on the side because it was like, well, we're on, you know, it's a road. We got to, yeah. you know, give the, give the other people some space. But I don't think there was ever a, a scenario where we were making it through yeah, that. That was so unscathed. That, that entire plan was so dumb. <laughs> I can't believe. Yeah, we were idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It really, it really sunk in when when Pat Graham said to us, "Whoa, guys, or like dudes, you're homeless." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just. Uh, like, oh, yeah, we, we are. We don't have a place to live, but we're just gonna take everything, all of our possessions, put it in a truck, store it, put it in a storage space, and then drive the budget truck around just searching for houses. Like, it, none of it made any fucking sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, uh, we were the Harry and Marv of. <laughs> You know, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, we did rob all yeah, those. Yeah, we should have. We should have done it. We should have. We could have fit it all in the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question. Uh, so Corey, the the mac and cheese thing has always haunted you. Yeah, the fact yeah. that he does not finish his or doesn't even take a bite of the mac and cheese. Doesn't even start it. Yeah, even though even though it's like a like frozen he, dinner. He, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he puts it in the microwave. He heats it up. He sits down, has this nice little moment, like thanks the the person who sold it to him on sale um and then just walk bikes nine and it just doesn't it just is there and it's that's yeah. it and i fucking love macaroni and cheese like you know i could eat uh just handfuls mm-hmm. of it you know I, I love macaroni and cheese and it's just like to see him not get to eat that macaroni and cheese it's just it always bothered me it, it did feel like a setup where, like, you know, he doesn't get to take a bite. Then he has to kind of defend his house. You, you would think there would be, like, some kind of just, like, kind of finishing shot after <laughs> after the, the, what, the wet bandits get arrested. And he sits down, takes a bite. And that would have just really kind of felt like we were we were all through something. And this is our reward for, yeah. for, yeah. for the win. Nuke it in the microwave, you know? Yeah. Put, maybe put that iron thing on it he, on the plate, heat it up. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was for. So I'm gonna use it to heat up my dinner later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, say we were all. Say you had like a, you knew you, your home was gonna be sieged, 
with it, you know, tonight, say you had like a few hours to prepare. What, what meal would we all pick? It's like, you might be, you might be killed. Uh, but also you got to remember, like if you're, you're setting booby traps and defending your home, the food choice is really going to like make a difference. Mm, true. True. Wow. <laughs> I'd say That's something kind of uh, something light with some protein, like like a good like a chicken Caesar salad, maybe. Yeah. You know, nothing too heavy. I think macaroni might actually like impede me just from going <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you just fall asleep halfway through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, guys, like, guys hang on. <laughs> time out, please. Yeah, I'm having a little bit of a food coma right now. Let me just take a right, right. nap. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I know we've talked about it at length, but I would probably just order mm. a pizza. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because that gives me a maximum time to prepare my house, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have to cook anything. I don't have to prepare anything. Um, they'll bring me the pizza, and I can eat that and, and take a little bit of a break to eat it, but I don't have to right. cook it. And there's more um, later for after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I would also, yeah, either like something I'd order out or maybe just have like an apple or a chicken Caesar wrap or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I tend to function better like on an empty stomach. So I might have just been like, let me just drink another yeah. pot of coffee and like I'll eat when I can relax. And yeah, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to eat. I probably would have been so anxious yeah. because I no. like, oh, so two <laughs> men are coming to break into my house at nine o'clock tonight. Like I can't even like mm-hmm. if I have a Zoom meeting at eight o'clock tonight, I can't function the entire day. <laughs> like the entire day is just that. Um yeah, I wouldn't have left my house as late as he did either to go to the church and stuff. Like, if I know these guys are coming at nine, like, there's no way I'm leaving the house past like three yeah, o'clock. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's just. I no assumed way. it was dark by five, so I assumed he had like three or four hours to prepare. Um, but still, mm-hmm. that that was a strange line. Where it's like, oh, wait till like nine o'clock when it's dark. But like, if you're anywhere, like you know, we're they have we live in a society with daylight savings, and like right, yeah, not right now. It's dark at mm-hmm. five o'clock, pretty much through the, at least you know from november through yeah. march or april so the fact that it's like yeah time zones are always kind of a weird thing in movies like half the time you see movies like where they're having breakfast at like 6 a.m and it's just like the sun is like you know at the, almost at the 12 o'clock position uh as opposed to just still being dark out so yeah one of those just weird things it's just like it's either night or it's day and there's not really any kind of middle ground right. between the two yeah um and my last question was uh you know, he does like a lot of fun things when he's home alone. Did, uh, do we have it? Any of you guys have any memories of like being maybe like, you know, not left home alone, but like your first time where it's like, Oh, you know, you're not, you're too old for a babysitter. You're maybe your parents are going out for dinner that night and you're just like home by yourself. I know, I know like Corey and I, you know, you and I have siblings. So I was always in charge of mm-hmm. taking care of my brother, but I remember I would come home, uh, from school early occasionally like they i stopped going to my babysitters and the bus would just drop me off at my house so i'd just be home alone for a couple hours i just remember making like the most disgusting food like giant like bologna sandwiches or like hot dogs with spaghetti sauce on them it was just like literally just like oh i don't know how to cook so i'm just gonna like combine all this disgusting food together um but yeah any any experiences you guys ever like run a sled down your stairs or eat giant bowls of ice cream i think (laughs) I think we went down the stairs in the laundry basket before, but not like as a home alone thing, just as like a, like, you know, Hey, let's go down the stairs in the laundry basket. Let's see. Like you put blankets down the stairs. So it's flatter. And then you get in a laundry basket and you slide down okay. the stairs. But, um, I think like the main thing I would do when I was home alone, it was usually during the summer. Once I got to a certain age, um, cause my parents would go to work 
and then my siblings would do whatever the hell they were going to do. Um, so I would just play music in the living room as loud as the stereo could go. So I just put like Marilyn Manson on and play it as loud as it could go and play PlayStation games. Um, and then I would eat uh, lean cuisine, broccoli and cheese, frozen meals while watching uh, Days of yeah. Our Lives. <laughs> um, there was when I was at this age, there was a storyline where uh, Marlena was uh, uh, possessed by the devil to bring it back to the devil. Um, that was the big storyline that summer. Um, so I'd watch that. I would stay home from school to watch it. Um, that's, that was more important to me at the time, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but mostly it was just like free reign to just like watch whatever I wanted and like listen to my music in like the living room instead of listening to it in my bedroom. But I didn't have any. Well, actually. Okay. So once there was a certain point where my parents um, had moved to Florida and it was like my last summer in in New York um, and my sister and my brother were in our, our still in our house in, in Johnstown, New York. Um, so my sister and brother were going to stay there. Uh, and I was just there for one last summer with my friends. So what we did was we took my parents' bedroom and we took the, um, the fence off of the pool deck, like the green, like metal fence. Um, and we, they had a closet in their bedroom and we took the doors off the closet and we nailed the fence over the opening of the closet and then made their bedroom into a wrestling room. So my friends and I would wrestle in there and then we would use the, the fence on the walls, like a steel cage and just whip each other into it and stuff. Um, maybe that was, the yeah, big thing that sounds did. pretty big. I've never, uh, taken a thing from outside and nailed it to the inside of my parents' house. <laughs> what about you, Jaya? Uh, I mean, it's just it, that age at like 18 on there's a few years I lived at home still just like parents are out of town. Uh, yeah. Make, making a big battle plan of, of, of getting the keg and inviting people over, having some sketchy people over and then just getting rid of all the evidence once it was, it was, it was done with. And, you know, they maybe my dad would just like find like someone's golden tooth <laughs> or a, a beer, an empty beer can in the basement or someone left a bong on the deck. Uh, and then we have a Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it would start snowing out. You know, perfect, perfect, perfect consistency of snow where it's not sticking too much to affect your driving, but it still looks goddamn mm-hmm. beautiful. So cool. Yeah, I was just curious. I know, I know. I I just remember as a kid mm-hmm. being like having the house to yourself was a big deal. Where it's like I can do anything. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, just like if you beyond just like yeah, maybe mm-hmm. playing video games on the big screen, uh, the the family yeah. room television as opposed to like the one I had in the basement or. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I did do the whole like I'm gonna have ice cream yeah. for breakfast, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so why did I? Do I don't know. That? One of my fantasies as a kid. Yeah, was that was to... the main oh, thing. No, no I just I don't. always just like when I'm an adult, I'm just gonna eat frosting for dinner, <laughs> and then you know, and then yeah. uh, you, you you grow up, and then you buy a can of frosting, and you have a few tablespoons of that, and then you're just like, oh fuck, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's like this is yeah. a meal. But yeah, sorry. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I did a lot of like ice cream and cookies for dinner when I was um, right out of college because I, I worked multiple jobs. So I was working like 12 hours a day. So I'd leave the house at like eight o'clock and then get home at like, I don't know, like 10, 11 o'clock at night. So it's just like whatever. I'm just going to eat whatever I have. So it was a lot of like ice cream and cookies and then just go right to bed. <laughs> it's not as fun as it sounds. Um, but yeah, like mostly my home alone stuff was just like, yeah, like that just, just, having the house to yourself and just doing stuff by your own rules. felt like I was never 
popular. I only, I never had more than like three friends at a time um, who I would want to hang you out with. More so than if that. we were even hanging out, it was a, just, a man shouldn't have yeah. more than three friends. Like, <laughs> As Jerry Seinfeld no, no. would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, even if they came over, it wasn't like a party. It was just like, let's just watch movies or like walk around and like, let's go get food and then bring it back here and like watch movies, listen to music and just do whatever we want. But it was never like anything to get in trouble or like to cause like more damage than nailing a fence mm-hmm. onto a wall. Um, and you were the youngest of your family, right? So yes. I wonder if you related to Kevin a little bit. Cause when, whenever I watch this chaotic family scene, I'm reminded of not to bring it up, but the infamous spaghetti foot story. <laughs> Why? You son of a bitch. Uh, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it. But I know, you know, I mean, you can't just say it and then people don't Brought know. Brought it up, it. Justin. Like, come on. I mean, I can cut it out. Like, it's fine. We, no, it's fine. I've healed uh, mostly. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it's miserable being the baby of the family because, like, that's what they call you all the time is you're the baby, you're the baby. And they tell you that you're adopted, <laughs> all that stuff. And you just, you don't, you know, you know, not as like, they're not mean about it. They're just like, you know, we find you under the porch. Yeah. And that's like, that's where we yeah, got You never here. know what's true um, or what's not true for your entire childhood. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a lot of that. And just like crying because like, I, I remember distinctly like my brother and my cousin. It's, it's interesting because we have these cousins who all are like the same ages as we are um, pretty much. Um, so they have like three boys and they're all kind of spread out the same as my two siblings and I. Um, so when my brother and my cousin would go do stuff, like I would want to go with them because they were older and go to do something cool. And I would just cry because I couldn't mm-hmm. go do it with them. Um, and either until I wore myself out or until they buckled and I could go do stuff with them. Um, but anyway, the spaghetti foot story, um, we you know had spaghetti for dinner one night. And then the next day we were just having leftovers, you know, for whatever. Um, and I put my spaghetti on the plate with the sauce, you know, mix it all up or whatever, put it in the microwave um, to heat it up. And when I took it out of the microwave, uh, you know, like the, everything like bleeds a little bit in the microwave. So it gets a little like soupier. So I pulled the plate out of the microwave. And when I pulled the plate out, all, <laughs> all of the spaghetti just flew off of the plate all of this scalding hot spaghetti flew off of the plate and just landed right on my foot, my bare foot. And that was, I don't know, like eight, ten? I don't know how old. I was like like a a child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe not quite that young, but like young enough. Um, And it hurt, you know? It's like scalding hot spaghetti and marinara on your foot straight out of the microwave. Like it didn't even sit, you know? It was just like you take it out and it just... um, So I freaked out and because it just hurt so i just started like yelling and crying and uh i everyone was just immediately making fun of me i don't think there was a point where anybody was like oh is your foot okay i think everyone was just like holy shit this is the funniest thing i've ever seen like even my mom like everyone was just like laughing and i was like screw you guys and i like ran upstairs and like put my foot in the tub to like rinse off spaghetti and just like try and heal my emotional and physical wounds but it was always this thing that just like stuck with me and it's still like a joke my family makes like about my foot and my spaghetti and stuff like that and it's just now my partner jamie she makes the joke too like if we have spaghetti and like i'm gonna warm many up the next day and it's just like <laughs> you can never escape it like it's always there 
Um, yeah, it just made me yeah, think, I don't know, watching this movie miserable. made me think of that story for some reason. And just like, yeah, just being tormented because you're the baby of the family, you know, and nobody takes you seriously. Well, it's, it's, it is hard because like, like I think about like when I was a kid and like, I didn't have it hard or anything. Like we, like I said, we didn't like have a lot of money or anything, but we, we never really wanted anything, you know, like our parents made sure we had stuff. Um, like we, we sometimes like the power would get shut off because we couldn't pay our bills or whatever, but it, like we always had like toys that we wanted. Like it was, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I remember like just being so dramatic as a kid where I was just like, I would, I would get upset and I would like storm off to my room and be like, I wish I'd never been born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like slam my door and just like saying like how I wish I was dead and like all this stuff. And just like over yeah. mundane bullshit, I'm sure. But just like being the, the youngest one who always gets dumped on, like, man, it has yeah. an effect. It's like, it's true. Yeah, I think um, this movie definitely gets being a kid right, you know? Like, I think that's what... Yeah. Yeah, it just... It's it's the perfect kind of, like, relatable kid movie. But, you know, you still enjoy it when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. So, I think... Just those childish wishes he had. Like, if when I grow up and get married, yeah, I'm living yeah. alone. <laughs> you know, to that right. kind of perfect contradictory yeah, yeah. statements that only kid can make. Um, and then one last thing uh, I had was that, uh, if I found a gold tooth in my home, I would be haunted forever. <laughs> I would not be able to let it go. I'd be like, what is this? Why is there a gold tooth in here? Who, ca- who is in here? You know what I mean? I would have like really been like, been asking my wife, be like, why is this? Do you see this? This is a tooth. <laughs> well, do you remember when we lived in Bangor and Newt, uh, my cat would just keep finding baby stuff oh, in yeah, the house? I forgot about that. Like she found like a baby sock one day and we were like, well, where did you find this baby sock? And then like she would just find like there was like three different things she found that was just like little like baby related stuff. And then we realized like, oh, the landlord used to live here and he has a baby. (laughs) Yeah, but still like it's just like stuff that like got lost like under a cabinet or whatever. And she's just finding it. But it was like for a minute it was like where did you find this tiny sock well, especially like when you're like, like watching a movie and she brings it in and you're like what do you have what is this and then it's just a little piece of <laughs> yeah. baby clothing and you're like what that makes yeah you just can't connect the dots that quickly yeah <sighs> anything else you guys want to t- t- touch on before we wrap this thing up um i don't think so i had a couple notes that were just like little non sequiturs or whatever like he like the door is unlocked to his house when he comes home that night from the church mm-hmm. to like, like he's so worried about these burglars, but he leaves mm-hmm. his door unlocked. Like that always yeah. stuck out to Kevin me. Kevin McAllister claims to be a protective of his home, but really <laughs> Bobby Newport. This assumes he even has door unlocked. This yeah, assumes he even has keys to his house. Like he's eight years old. He probably doesn't have a key or no right. one is, but <laughs> that was, I think that was the only other thing that like sticks out of me is like, Oh, he didn't even lock his door. What a little dummy. Yeah. I, I had another note of like him just eating that big bowl of ice cream just made me think of Tony Soprano. Ah, yeah, yeah. the Turkey Hill. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. It's just him just like laying out on the chair, just like Tony Soprano just eating. He's such a yeah. child. He's such a yeah. child. <laughs> just a big fat baby. With all the whipped cream and everything, just like mm-hmm. he's such a baby. Marshmallows and sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, watch this movie. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I just had a note about like uh, Kevin was Kevin's talking to uh, Marley in the church. He's like talking about a kid who got like dinosaur pajamas and was made fun of for that. And like, oh yeah, this was this was out before Jurassic Park. So like dinosaurs were, I guess, they, there was a period where they were uncool. Yeah, uh, just one of those. 
things that yeah, stuck it seems out impossible. That didn't make any sense to me either. It just seemed yeah. like that would be like, oh, awesome! You have dinosaur stuff. Yes, yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah, because it just Badass, predates man. us, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, and and then it really briefly, like, I mean, I could go on this longer, but we're kind of towards the end here. The iconic image of Macaulay Culkin with his hands slapped against his cheeks that was on all the posters. Which, when you see the poster, you're like, oh, he must be afraid. That's why he's kind of screaming in pain. But no, really, it is like he is just, he is feeling like a chemical burn from the aftershave. So it's just one of those weird things where like Mark and he was like, how do we sell this movie? We need this, we need, you know, we have the three leaves of the film. We got to put on the poster. But like, how are we going to portray Macaulay as Kevin McAllister? And they go with him with the, I guess it was just one of those images that was really like popping Mm -hmm. in the editing room. Or whatever, and then the fact that like, but no, it's like that's not—he's not afraid of these guys. He is afraid, but that's not the scene where he's afraid and he slaps mm-hmm. his hands to his cheeks. Um, it's also, it's kind of funny too. Like if you if you don't watch the movie for a while and then you come back to it, like that happens multiple times, mm-hmm. which is like weird. It's like you, why you don't need to do it twice. Right. <laughs> you think he would learn? Yeah. Even from like just like the script standpoint, it's like why are we having like this. Like have him getting ready in the sh- in the bathroom again, but like to do the same like yeah. thing again. Like as a kid, I, I was know. very excited that it happened again. It's like, oh, that was funny. It'd be cool if that happened again, and then it did. So, <laughs> and I just I just keep waiting for me going like through like an American Psycho monologue. Like in the morning, if my face is puffy, I'll put in an ice pack while I do crunches. <laughs> yeah. and do a thousand now. In the shower, I use a water activated gel cleanser. Before I eat my bowl of macaroni and cheese. Yeah, uh, Addie didn't get that until yesterday. She was like, I just realized that that was because it was aftershave. Because aftershave burns. Uh, didn't understand. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's some that's that's Home Alone. We really we got into yeah. it today. Um, every which way. Uh, let's go to our Ugto segment. You got to check this out. Brief recommendations on other things that you're watching, playing, reading, doing. Uh, Justin? Um, I don't know if I have anything really new that I've been watching. I've just been watching kind of like some Christmas movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't really have anything this week, I would say, other than just the normal Adventure Time Sopranos and... <laughs> and uh, the occasional I, I watched actually I watched the holiday last night for the first time with Jack Black, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and um uh Cameron Diaz. And that was okay. Hmm. It's fine. <laughs> but if you want to watch a movie with like um uh, if you love English cottages, I would recommend this movie. Yeah. Very cool. Uh Corey, anything? Um, so I've been watching over the past few months, uh, Sopranos. I'd never seen it before. And your episode about it, like, like your, it was like the first episode or whatever. Like it was like, you know what, why don't I watch the Sopranos? So I finally did it. Um, I'm on the second half of the Ooh, final I'm season. About, I'm almost there. Um, ah, oh, so good. Um, so I've been watching that. Um, we've also been watching the show called alone which is, it's on the History Channel. Um, there's one season on Netflix, and if you're going to watch the show, I would start with that season because it's the best one. Um, the first and second seasons are kind of just okay. But it's like a survivalist show where people get dropped off in the woods or like some area, um, and they have to survive for as long as they can. And it's 10 people, and whoever survives the longest uh, wins. And there's no like camera crews or anything. They just have like GoPros and their own cameras, and they have to lug this camera equipment around and like film themselves doing all this stuff. Um, 
the season that's on Netflix, they're in the Arctic uh, somewhere. I forget where, but uh, it's really good uh, that season. The first season's kind of a stinker. Second season's a little better. And the third season, like it starts to get its like feet under it. Um, but we've been watching a lot of that. It's, it's pretty interesting. To start with season seven, is that the most recent one? Looks like. Uh, I, I think there's one one more season um, after that. Like it's on the History Channel app and all that kind of okay. stuff and whatever. Like we have Sling, so it's on demand there. But there's only one season on Netflix. But that was the first one we watched, um, and it really sold us on the whole thing because it like there's some crazy shit that happens. Now, that does season. it follow? Does each person kind of like? Does one episode focus on one person or are they all, is it like Survivor where they're all like starting at the same time and each episode's like cutting back and forth between everybody? Yeah, it cuts back and forth between them and nobody's like together. It's right. like they, they're separated um, by like miles and like by in, in uh, by, by things that they can't like navigate around like giant mountains or like big bodies of water that like, so there's no chance so of the, But they are doing it at the same time. Um, okay. Yeah, but they all start at the same time. They all get dropped off at the same time, and then it's just like a, a matter of time before people start dropping off. Uh, and you could like you have like a little satellite phone that you can call and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm giving up. Like, come get me or whatever." Um, sounds it sounds good. There yeah. was a show like it's, that a few years ago, Naked and Afraid, which seemed like way more. Yeah, I don't know, that's where it's just like the same thing, but you're you're with a couple. I think you can be in a couple, but you're both nude or something. <laughs> I never watched it, but yeah, I remember. This sounds like series. a smarter, more well thought out version of of, uh, of that. But yeah, let's check that out. Yeah, it's it's like everyone's allowed to bring like ten items um, plus like their clothing or whatever. Um, so they're not like completely abandoned. So like they can bring whatever ten essential items they think that like, they'll like need. So or... they get to have like things. No, not even that. Like, um, like they all get provided oh, a toothbrush, okay. but it's like, you know, an axe <laughs> or a bow and arrow, like whatever you think you're going to need to survive. Um, you get to bring 10 of those items. Cool. So. Uh, but it's pretty fun. Nice. And it's half of the movie we're talking mm-hmm. about alone. Yeah. So, uh, really, really, I been, I just, I was blown away by HBO's first season of industry. It's this, uh, eight episode drama set in this, uh, prestigious investment bank in London, and it's one of those shows that kind of just tosses you into the deep end and just kind of hopes you'll keep up, you know, throw, they, they, the way they talk, the vernacular. They're not they're not really holding your hand through it, but which makes you kind of just kind of stay paying attention the entire time. Uh, really cool character dynamics. One of the more like twisted parodies of the whole Jim and Pam thing from The Office that I've seen in a long time. Just like the the two couple, the the, the guy and the girl who like they, they kind of like each other, but there's a there's a boyfriend involved, and it's just the way that they handle it is just some like unlike I've ever seen before on te- television. And um, yeah, it just it blew. It, they stuck the landing. It just this show is just uh, just a lot of fun. Really, just concise episodes about you know centering around much kind of like what Succession does, just kind of like really succinct plots. And uh, I would highly recommend it. Oh, it's on HBO. They dropped the entire thing. Oh, okay. Up, so, and Lena Dunham directed the pilot, and it's got this kind of cool handheld feel to it. And also, just like as we live in quarantine time, just like seeing people out and partying and in offices together, it's just it's one of those feelings you're just, you're just trying to get by osmosis by watching it. So great. Uh, yeah. So I think that'll about do it for this week's episode of Amusing Ourselves to Death. Thank you, Corey, for coming back. Great talking uh, to you. Corey, do you want to plug your Twitch uh, channel real quick before we leave? Oh, yeah. Um, so I play video games on Twitch. Uh, it's uh, twitch.tv slash gansobomb underscore. It's G-A-N-S-O-B-O-M-B underscore. Um, I play exclusively 
Nintendo 64 games right now. I'm just I'm playing through all of the Nintendo 64 wrestling games, um, and I I stream Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So if you want to come by and check out some games, I'm playing WrestleMania 2000 right now. Um, so if you want to come check out video games and talk about wrestling or video games or neither of those things, uh, come on over. Awesome. Justin, any, nope. you got anything coming up? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Just just more and more COVID Me tests, either. baby. Just getting tested for COVID constantly. Uh, that's it. So, something I will speak of right on. off camera. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there. And we'll see you on the internet. Amusing Ourselves to Death is produced by Jaya Peck and Justin Passano. Artwork by Evan Stutz. Theme song by Pretty Lousy. Find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at Amusing Ourselves to Death. Get in touch at Amusing Ourselves to Death pod at gmail.com.